George, and we are live on Game Changers with Vicky with a K.I. Abelson. Tonight's <laughs> guest is Tony Bronigal. Thanks, thanks. Excuse me, can I finish uh, uh, this really, I, I, really I, I, just? We're, okay. interrupt, we're interrupting Tony, okay. so. Press, but, let me press send. Okay. <laughs> so, there we go. All right, good. So, all right, but, but Tony, there's going to be more of that because you're like my only guest that understands that a moon void is a fuck time to try the oh, live show. Right? We're in a void yeah, moon. I know, I know. So, in a void moon, nobody's watching. Three people are watching right now. Really? But more people are going to oh, watch. Oh, they're going to come on. They're going to come on. Yeah, they're going to come on. Yeah. But by 7.30, the void will be. So It'll be all over. We'll have a crowd. We'll have a crowd. Are we serving drinks? Okay, so I'm sober. So you're not sober. No, I, I, I drinks like anything, so, water, refreshments. All right, but, but I want to know about this about you because you don't I have, have to tell everybody on Facebook I, that I'm not sober? No. That, Is this a setup? Well, no, because I, I think, <laughs> wait, I can't get it. Because you're you're like, I, I, you are what I aspire to be, which is a normie, right? You, you, what did you call it? You have, a, not a filter, what did you call I, it? I, I have a valve. A valve? Yeah, yeah. A valve or a switch or something like that that goes off that goes, all right, you've done it. So has the, has the switch ever failed you? <clears throat> of course. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I've never been arrested for being drunk or anything like that. I mean, but, you know, I've definitely... You, you, push... act, you act like nobody you know ever has been. <laughs> I'm not we, saying. We, we, know, we know that that's... A lot of people, a lot of my friends have been arrested for being drunk. No. Uh, I hang out with those kind of people. You or did. I did. You, okay, so I we're, 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 we're going to talk about your so. I have a lot of sober friends, by the way. A Do bunch. You? Oh yeah, quite a few. Yeah. Okay. And, and I, I really, really respect the whole program. Uh, it, it saved several lives uh, that are close to me. Okay, so we're, we're going to talk a little. We're going to get to some of that. But be, before we get to the sobriety stories, wait. Mm -hmm. I, but I want, I want to, I want to do a little business, which is my pleasure. Before we do it, by the way, it, you're a producer, so you have you put out product. Now, mm -hmm. when you put out product, are you doing it through a label or are you doing it independently sometimes? Both. Okay, so if you put out any product independently and you put out actual physical CDs, do you do that anymore? Yeah, we still do that. Okay, so if you still do that and you need liner notes for those, you need like the covers. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so my printer, Rick Smolke, who you did the PSA for, yeah, yeah, yeah. he will do that for you and oh, he really? will not charge you because okay. he, believes in, he believes in supporting oh. artists. Oh, good. And he's an amazing human being, Rick Smolke of Quick Impressions in Chicago. Writing for writing uh, liner notes. He will write. He will, he he won't write. What's them, this got although, to do with it? Well, because he made my tissue oh, boxes, I see. right? Okay. And he made my bookmarks for my book. Oh, good. And he uh, made my business cards. If you need business cards, he That's does great. all this stuff. Well, you're not plugging yourself; you're plugging him. I'm plugging him. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Although I will plug myself, friend. don't you? I'm sex, drugs, rock and roll, and my fucking mother. Because we, <laughs> we do that. And that's, see, ah, so I'm going to start having fun I'm, in a minute. I'm going to give you a copy just because you laugh. Don't you? And you know what this corner is? You know what club used to be on 75th uh, Broadway? I bet you played there, the China Club in New York. Did you ever play at the China uh, Club? Yes, I did. Yes. And I was in the house band at the China Club here in Los Angeles. Uh, what? Oh, who else was in that band? Um, Hutch Hutchinson from oh, God, Bonnie yeah. Raitt and uh -huh. Jim Anger uh -huh. and George Marinelli. Was that in the uh, 80s, 90s? Yeah, was that? that was in um, the late 80s. Yeah, in yeah. the 80s. I was playing with Bonnie Raitt at the time, most, through most of all that. So. so I was promoting there in, like, I did like in maybe That was China Club 1 here, and then later on it moved to different places, and I was playing... Uh, with Jack Mack and the Heart Attack in the early '90s, and we had the one, the China Club in, in Beverly Hills. I've never, I was never at the China Club. Wild, the fun times, yeah, yeah. yeah. Was, but on a sad note, my very, very good friend, who who was uh, one of the guys who tried to start the China Club, who? from New York, uh, Alan Kaufman, okay, just I didn't recently know Alan. passed oh. a couple weeks ago. And oh. 
So God bless you, Alan. We love you very much. And he has a lot of friends out there that probably see this. That's really sweet. I, I just noticed that my cousin Craig is on, and I have to give him a shout out. He has he does this haunted house in Austin, New York, that just got written up as the coolest haunted house. Really? In, in Austinning, where is that? Uh, it's upstate. Uh -huh. And he drives into the city every day, but he does this haunted house. He starts in August. I'm going to show you online when we get off the air. It is the most incredible. I mean, like, he's very serious. Wow. I mean, he, he works on it for like six months. So like he has anim he has big. Like, stuff's yeah, going on. Moving and scaring. Yeah. And, yes. Like props that move. And, yes. Yeah. I mean, like, that skulls. Have, like, there's a whole like, wow. room of skulls. Motorized and, props that yeah, bleed like, on people. Yeah, and, yeah scary okay. stuff. Yeah. It's very cool and very creative that he does that. I'm very impressed. And also, my friend Anson Williams. Did you ever watch Happy Days? Yeah. <laughs> okay, so Anson, his uncle uh, was um, Heimlich, right? And they invented <laughs> together this thing called Alert Drops. You know the Heimlich maneuver? Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> anyway, but they invented this thing. All right, so you're a musician on the road, and, you st and you're a normie. So if you ever like overindulge and you're tired and you get behind the wheel, yeah, you literally, it's not open or I'd give you a taste. You, you do two drops of it like this, it wakes you the fuck up. And all it is is like concentrated lemon peel, but it works. I mean, I've been on the road at three in the morning and, and done it and it just wakes you up. I like things like it's that. It's called alert drops. It's actually What's it? saved. Let me have a look. It's, look, it's, 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 it's Alert drops. And then I don't have my good hairspray. We left it at, we left it at no caffeine or stimulants. And, and Teresa you did? James's house. My fuck off hairspray, Nicole Venables. I need another fuck off. But um, Nicole Venables of the Ruby Bugatti Salon. You were just dropping names there a little because longer. She's because they're my, good friends of mine. And we were at their house just a couple you did? weeks ago. Yeah, we did the show at their house. You wrecked their house? And we did. We wrecked their house. And, and now I have this new Argon, um, yeah, dry That stuff's spray. good. That stuff's good. Do you know good. about this stuff? Argan oil. Yeah, yeah, Argan yeah, yeah. oil, yeah. Yeah, yeah and this, this stuff, you put it in yeah. and, you, and it gives you some. As my hair gets older and whiter and drier. No. <laughs> it's, it's sad what happens to us, right? No, it's funny. I was in the, the dentist's office the other day, and I'm going, you know, Sitting there in a chair and they're going through it. They do they do like almost an MRI on you now when you go to the dentist. I it's, mean, it's, yeah. they were they were taking pictures of everything and got the doc, the dentist showing me all these. I'm going, he said, that's your right jaw over there, and you've got a little bit of snot up there. And I'm going, to, well, you know, he said, well, your sinuses look kind of open. Said, what else are you looking at while you're Wait a minute, your looking at my teeth? My, and my, at your sinuses? my my dentist, and I'm just sitting there afterwards before I had my teeth cleaned. You know, going, well, at least I have my hair in my teeth. You know. That's a good thing. Because yeah. not everybody can say that. Mm -mm. Uh, some of your friends can't say that. We won't we say We won't say who they are. No. We, we won't talk about We don't. Okay, that. so let's see who we're saying. Hi, Penny. Hi, John. All right, so I hate when people like look at these things when they're on the air, but I'm trying to say hello to people. Hi, Joseph. Hi, Jane. Hi, Mary Ellen. Hi, Peg. Hi, Jimmy. All right, we've said hello to some people now. So, hi, Peg. Um, so, there are people watching. There, there will be people watching. See? Yeah, we'll, 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 That void moon is not really going to be a thing void. with us because they, we pulled them all out of it. Well, at 7.30, remind me. I'm We're releasing a, the void. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a watch party at 7.30 to get the rest of them. Okay. Hi, Shannon. So, all right. So, I know, uh, were you born in Houston? I know you're a Houston Born in guy. Houston, Texas, in Heights Hospital, 1949, September 30th, about 8, 10 a.m. I love that, that you know that. Oh. Um, so, you're a little kid. Do you, do you start banging on things? What, what, what's the first? Are you like a, are you a good kid? Are you a bad kid? What kind of kid are you? What kind of kid are you? Because you're a funny kid. Mischievous. Yes. So, I'm the sense of humor is kind of driven by, by 
it, it kind of goes across my personality in other ways as well. I'm slightly mischievous. Did you start out funny? Were you always funny? I don't know if I was trying to be funny. I think Not trying. No, I you think I was are. just mischievous, mm-hmm. you know, and I was just, yeah, yeah, I'm funny. I guess I'm... You are funny. funny. Are, is, are your parents uh, show busy funny? No. no. Nothing. What, what did your what? father do? My father was a, uh, an engineer. He was a carpenter if, uh, when I was born. And uh-huh. Years later, he went to school and studied to be an engineer, an air conditioning, heating and engineer. My mother never had a job in her life except being a fabulous housewife. Wow. There were, you know, I was raised like really normal. Siblings? Was, my, I have a brother that's younger, six years. Yeah. And what does he do? Nor, something normal? Something completely normal. Wow. Yeah, you know, his like his big thrill is he has horses for a hobby and he okay. goes horseback riding and, That's nice. uh, and he lives in Texas, so he's still doing the cowboy hat and the truck and the trailer and the horses and all that. So things. are your people like good Christian right wing Republican are they those? My folks are gone. God bless them. I love my mother and dad. My father was a real see, that's where I get it from. My dad my dad was a character. He would when having people over, and he would start to tell stories, but he had a way of telling you a joke that wasn't. He would tell you it was like a story. He'd go, "There was this old guy, you know." And he would. So you would you think going. he's telling you something true? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, 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 and I'd watch him do it to my friends all the time, and, and see like you know, like oh, he's got him, you know. Nice. But my dad was really. He had a great sense of humor in that respect, and he loved to make people laugh and entertain. Sweet. And my mother was the sweetest thing. You'd ever want to meet, you know, Aww. my best friend Willie Arnellis, who I grew up with, which you'll hear about Willie in a little while. I, I think I've heard a couple stories today about yeah, Willie, yeah. He, uh, he said, after my mother passed, he said... Uh, Is he the one that sold you the drum kit? Yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He, After she passed, he said, I could go by and visit Jody, because we all, we'd all moved out of Houston, and, but they, my mom and dad were still living in the same place. My mom passed, my father passed away, and my mom was living there, and Willie said, I could go by and pull up in the driveway unannounced, knock on the door, open the door. Jody say, come on in. We'd have something to drink, uh, coffee or tea or lunch or something like that. And he said, and I'd sit there and talk to her for about two or three hours about nothing. <laughs> and I would leave there feeling wonderful. That's so lovely. And I thought that was such an amazing compliment that's, that's when he lovely. wrote that on Facebook when she passed away. Uh, and I was like, I still remember what So he was said. your house the house that everybody came to? to one of them, yeah. yeah. One of them, yeah. Yeah, I had a basketball. You know, we put the basketball thing up on the garage. I got my mm-hmm. dad to do that. And, and that helped out. Yeah, our yard was, and, and our place was always, uh, they were having, you know, Texas barbecues. So, you know, my dad was pretty good at that. So they. Had, so were you like middle class, upper middle class? Were you like... We started out poor, uh, working class, mm-hmm. and then we, 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 rate, we got up to middle class for a while. Okay. You know, but before it was all done, you know, I would say we're, we were lower middle class. Yeah, so... Yeah. There was never any extra money in the mm-hmm. house, not for nothing. Yeah. You know, and I, which is, well, I started working at like the age of 12 because I couldn't stand it. I, I wanted to be... Independent, right? And what away. kind of gig was that? Oh, the job? first thing I went to was uh, I, I, I was a bricklayer's helper for a summer. When you're 12? I think I was 12, wow. yeah, when I first did that. Yeah. Okay, that's pretty ambitious. I'm yeah. impressed. Yeah. Hi, Michael Chang. Um, so. And then I did some carpenter work, and then and then uh, the did next summer. Did you work summer, for your father? Never. No. 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 That would never work. Uh, <laughs> we were better left to kind of separate it. What sign was your dad? My father was Sagittarius. Um, so, but but I, that's about the time I discovered drums. So. Okay, so let's talk about that. So, what's the first thing you want to be when you grow up? I'm assuming it's not a drummer when you're like a little kid. 
No, uh, music uh, music hit me early. I always yeah. had, I always danced. You know, my mother and dad would go to what they called honky tonks, a beer joint sometimes, uh-huh. and I would go with them. Not at nighttime, but in the in the afternoon or whatever. If they were Wait, going in the afternoon, you could go to a honky tonk. Yeah, yeah. It's, you know, out in the country community, they would go out and visit grandma and grandpa, and uh-huh. they would all go to have a beer or whatever. Nice. And and, I'm and from Jews, they didn't do that. Stuff. No, no, no. no. It's totally, it was a German country, yeah. German. You know, they were like, you know. Yes, go have a sausage and some beer, you know. Rick Smokey's on. By the way, Rick, we were talking about you. Rick's the guy that's going to yeah. hook you up with your liner notes. Oh, okay, yeah, good. Rick's hey, Rick, guy. how you doing? We'll do that later, huh? Yeah. So, I I loved music, and I would beg my dad for nickels to go to the jukebox. And, and what kind of music were you Yeah, It was country music, okay. you know, like Hank Williams and stuff okay. like that, way down deep in that twang, you know. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I would... Are you, like, hip to the Beatles when the Beatles happened? This was way before Beatles, honey. This is before Beatles. 63. Yeah, yeah. Come on, really? You're you're not that much older than me. How, how? You're little then when you're talking about. Tiny. I was a little boy. You're a little boy. I was a little boy, and I'd go grab my mom, and she would come out and dance with me. And she taught me how to jitterbug. She taught me how to jitterbug. I'm like, my mom's up here, and I'm trying to, like, jitterbug with her, you know? Like, and she wasn't tall either. She was only about five. Five feet tall. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. About five feet tall. And you're trying to spin her around. And I'm like, you know. So, so do you? So do you know right away? I love music. I want to do. I, I was just taken by music, and then my I, I watched my my father played guitar, and and um before I was born, they met when he was playing on weekend bands in some oh. of these honky tonks outside oh, of Houston cool. there, uh-huh. and they and lived was he right outside. Country music. Yeah, I was playing country music. Uh-huh. Yeah. Was he a singer? No, he's just a guitar player. Mm-hmm. He was just like one of the guys in the band. So uh, that they met that way, and uh, then oh, when nice. when they got married, when I was because I came pretty fast. Mm-hmm. They always said I was a mistake over a bottle of wine, <laughs> a bottle of cheap wine, and uh, cheap wine's the best kind. <laughs> so so um, anyhow, uh, my dad played guitar, and and he quit doing the weekend thing and playing honky tonks when I was born, and. Focused on his yeah, yeah. And I worked five, six days a week as a carpenter, and so he could pay the house rent, and, and we'd have a place to live and eat. And you know, he he sacrificed all of that for him. To and your that. your mom got to be a full time mom, which is and she oh, loved it. You know, she totally she was fine with that. She what she, time was she Libra? Yeah. Nice. Yeah, she fell right into that. Mm-hmm. But she and I got along really well. We we had a great understanding. We kind of had a psychic thing going. Mm-hmm. Later on, when I would be traveling all over the world and whatnot. I, I would try to surprise her sometimes, and she, I pull up in the driveway in a taxi cab or whatever. She goes, "I knew you were coming home. I told your brother yesterday." I, go, <laughs> I cooked your favorite meal. You it's are right no here. fun at all. <laughs> I made that cake for you, you know. And I know. Okay, so so you're starting out dancing. When when do you? So my cousin, I was going to jump over to that. My yeah. cousin was playing in a band, mm-hmm. and he his folks got him a drum kit when he was really young, and I was like. Really? My dad gave me a guitar and I could play three chords on it. Mm-hmm. But this drum kit thing came up and I'm like watching my cousin. Every time he would like ease off of it, I'd go, can I? And he'd go, no. You know, and then later he'd go, all right, you can sit down for a few minutes. And he'd let me not sit there and I'd beat on the drums. <coughs> and then he'd go, come on, get off, get off. And I'd be shooed away all the time. And I never got a How real chance. How old are you when this is going on? That's probably getting up into that 10, 11 year old okay. kind of thing by uh-huh. then. And um, 12. 13, 
I'm like probably picking up drumsticks right around then. I think I either made some out of wood or I bought a 50 cent pair when I was uh, probably about 13 or something like that. And I started beating on things. And you're, you're teaching yourself. Yeah, and by then my friend that lived down the street from me, Willie Arnellis, oh. he had moved in when I was about nine years old or something mm -hmm. like that. Um, and his family was uh, from Mexico City, mm -hmm. Monterey. But they'd lived in LA, uh, Houston for a while already. Mm -hmm. And um, and Willie started playing drums. And he's, you know, immediately went into playing in nightclubs when he was really young as well. Like how young? 13, 14, 15, right in there. Really? Yeah, yeah. So Willie's playing drums, and oh. he's got a drum kit. And I'm going down there every afternoon after school, and we're listening to all this great music. The stuff I, we listened to was the rhythm and blues that I've been playing all my life. Ray Charles and uh -huh. Bobby Bland and anything else that was going on around that time that was the rhythm and blues hits. And uh, then the Stax Records came out, and of course we had Sam and David, and that's what I cut my teeth on mm -hmm. as a musician and a drummer. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm hanging out at Willie's, and we're studying this music and listening. And I'm trying to like, you know, he would give me a little bit of a lesson, but not really. Mm -hmm. He would never like Is he, He's a peer. He's your age? Yeah, he's, he's two years older than me. Okay, uh-huh. Uh, no, Willie's two and a half years old. Okay. But he looks like he's about ten. Right, Willie? Okay. <laughs> is Willie on here? Yeah, we he's, need he's my best friend of the we world. Need, well, I yeah, hope he's my big brother. Here. He's okay. my big brother. It's all good. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, we have, our life is still intertwined. Nice. And um, Is he still playing? A bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. He is, a bit, yeah. Mm -hmm. He comes back to town. He lives in Mexico almost full time now. Oh. But he, I was just down at his place for a vacation recently. Uh, on the beach We're in, in the south of La Paz on uh, the Sea of Cortez mm -hmm. and uh, it's nothing around there there's no nice. resort it's mm -hmm. like cactus and desert ocean nice fabulous love it nice love it. how far um, down um, an hour and 45 north of uh, drive north of, of Cabo up mm -hmm. into the Sea of Cortez on the, the peninsula side on the inland side of the peninsula sweet it's great anyhow so mm -hmm. I'm at Willie's place mm -hmm. And I'm, we're listening to music, and little by little, I'm just picking it up, and I'm learning to play some beats. And I learned the basic beats to some of these songs, and I'm mm -hmm. listening, and, and Willie's showing me, no, 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 don't do that. And I'm like really trying to get a sensibility of what he's doing and everything. Mm -hmm. And I think I think what drove me forward was I just, I love music, and I had a sense of rhythm, because I could dance. Right. And I can still dance, you know? Um, it, but. I was drawn into playing drums and doing this thing where I couldn't stop myself really. But you, I was going to college. You, I was going to how, school. Right? How did your parents feel about you? Yeah. At kids first, in the house? no, no way. So oh, okay. wait, I got to get the kid. All okay. right. <laughs> so they're they're like they're seeing me back in the out in the yard beating on pots and pans and boxes. Right. That box sounded good. That pan sounded good. <laughs> Mom would let me beat on that pan, and that was <laughs> she would only wash something in that pan so I could use them and I'm sitting out there in the middle of it with on a little stool or whatever just beating on things you know that's how it really started out pots and pans There's no and, way and you're going to school you're a decent student you yeah I was good I was a good student I mean I could have probably been a straight A all the way through but I didn't always apply myself I would I was the kind of guy that at the last minute would go oh I'll better study for tomorrow and I'd make a you know an, an A, uh -huh. you know, that's a, that's a, a or A minus, sometimes a B, you know, right. well, until okay. later in life in high school, when I was playing in nightclubs, my grades went down in a couple of them. Yeah, yeah. and I admit that. Mm -hmm. 
So anyhow, I'm at Willie's and I'm 15 now. Mm-hmm. And I've only played at a few sock hops and or in my cousin's garage. How or, have you played? You don't have a kit yet. You no, know, I was played you... in somebody else's drum kit or oh. whatever. And figured something else. Played on my like, cousin's Like, how do you kit. know how to like hit the hi hat and stuff if you're playing on pots? And... By then, I was playing a drum kit at Willie's house. Okay. Okay. And the kit I was playing on that we would play on in the afternoons was what eventually became my first drum kit. Okay. So one day we're on the. Here's the story. Okay. Here's the story, everybody. Been told before, but I'll try again. Tell the story. Everything old is new again. So uh, I'm sitting. We're sitting there. We would. He and I would sit in the kitchen if we weren't on the drums or listening to the music. And we'd sit in the kitchen because the family was cooking and there was always great food to eat. You know, mm-hmm. Poppy was making chili or beans or or they were making tamales at Christmas time or somebody's making fresh tortillas or whatever. Mm-hmm. And we were just like. We wanted to get some, mm-hmm. and um, we would sit there in the kitchen a lot. And the phone rings one day and goes, "Ring." Willie Willie picks oh, up. Oh, I like he does sound effects. Willie says, picks up and says, uh, "Hello, oh, yeah, hi, hey, how you doing? Yeah, it's, um, no, uh, I'm uh, no, I got a gig tonight. You know, thanks, thanks. No, do I know any other drummers? Uh, uh, he looks across the table. He goes, he looks at me. He goes. Yeah, I know a guy. And I'm going, what's happening? You're 15? 15. And so he says, uh, uh, hold on a second. He goes, you want to do a gig tonight? Then he gave me that look, like, dare you? And I'm wow. like, yeah, but, but, but I got to go ask my mother and my, my mom and dad. You know, and it's like, and he goes. And you've never and done a gig? Goes, no. no. He, goes, he, goes, he says, well, you better get down there and do it. So. Okay. Hey, uh, I'll call you back in a little bit. All right. So, hangs up the phone. Meanwhile, just before that, mm-hmm. back up, I had just bought that drum kit from him that day. He said to me. Oh, that day? He said, do you want to buy this drum kit? I said, uh-huh. because, because I've got this other Rogers kit here that belongs to, what's his name? Somebody Sabaggio. He said, hey, I'm going to buy that kit. You want to buy this kit from me? I said, yeah, but I don't you know, have any. Well, look, yeah. How much? But you goes, already have little jobs, right? Yeah, yeah. I was, I was always a gathering a little bit of money here yeah, and there. Yeah. So um, I said, how much? He goes, uh, $100. I went, wow. Oh, that's a lot of money. Yeah. <laughs> he said, but I'll give it to you for 100 now. But if you don't have all the 100 by next Saturday, it's 150 I went, oh, Willie, come on. He goes, no, I need the money. I want to get this kit. I went, okay. Meanwhile, I went over to... I drove my motor scooter. I had a really small motor scooter, kind of a putt putt. But that got me around town, man. I, I could get around town on that anywhere I needed to go. And that was legal at 15. 15 to drive yeah, one? Exactly, without okay. a helmet. Wow. And yeah. so uh, I drove over to the uh, to the lawnmower shop that I thought might want to buy it from me, and they bought it for me for 45 bucks. And then I walked two so miles wait, back. So wait, you're giving up your, this is like the, I'm giving the gift up, of the Magi. You're giving up your transportation. I'm giving up my transportation at 15, and that was important. Wow. And Because uh, I wasn't driving a car yet. Uh-huh. And, um, and I come, I walked back with the money, gave Willie the 45 bucks. I got a drum kit. That's when the phone call happened. So he says, you better go ask your, fo- your parents if you want to do it. So I go down. And, and it's a school and, night, of course. No, it was a Friday oh, night. Oh, okay. Friday night. I walk in. I go, Dad, um, listen. Um. You know, I just bought that drum kit today from Willie, um, and um, I, I, I got a call for a gig tonight. Willie's got a gig for me. My dad kind of looked around like he didn't hear what I was saying. I said, 
Willie's got, there's somebody who wants me to play drums with him tonight. He goes, I can't remember how I said it as a kid, but I was, you know, mm-hmm. as innocent as possible, as, or as I was at the time. And so he says, what are you talking about, son? I said, uh, it's a gig playing drums for somebody for money. Where is it? It's at the so-and-so club at the corner of Cross Timbers and, and uh, Quitman Road. He goes, I know that place, son. That's a nightclub. I said, yeah, I guess it probably is. I'll be in a band in a nightclub playing. He goes, no, son, you're too young. You can't do that. And I said, Dad, come on. I, I really want to do this. And I went on and on. I, I wouldn't give up. And, and finally, my dad, you know, probably raised his voice a couple of times. He even said, no, no. And, and then he finally said, all right, look, go ask your mom. And so I ran across the other side of the house. Mom, mom, mom. And I went on about about it for a while. She goes, "Oh, honey, I don't know. I don't. It doesn't sound right. You're too young. And it doesn't sound right to, to me." And, and what did your dad say? Well, dad said, "Come ask you." I didn't say dad said no. I right, said, "Dad right. said, come ask you." So she goes, "No, oh, you better go to you work this out with your dad." I'll go back to my dad. And I'm just pulling on him. I'm not going to let go. And finally, he goes, "All right, all right, damn it! But you got you got to promise me one thing." I said, "What's that?" He goes. Don't you take any funny cigarettes. And don't you talk to any of those women in that nightclub. And I said, Dad, I'm only 15. I, like, I didn't know what the hell he was even talking about, you know? Like, I, I didn't realize that I was going to, like, could I could get in trouble, you know? And uh, as far as all I knew was, there was I had a drum kit now, and I was going somewhere to play. So I go back to, um, go back to Willie's, and I said, Willie, I can do it. So he calls the guy back, and uh, Charlie was his name. Charlie, yeah, it's Willie Arnellis, yeah, hey, hey, um, I got you a drummer, yeah, uh, his name is Tony, oh yeah, he's good, oh yeah, no, no, he can do a good job, yeah, fine, yeah, uh, the, the thing is though, you got to pick him up, because he doesn't have a, a, a car, and and that was not so abnormal for, you know, young musicians to not have a car, because they couldn't no, afford well, it. Well, but did he know you were, okay. no, okay. this so, is what I'm thinking, so he comes. pick him up. So he just, I got to pick him up. He said, well, where do you want to pick him up? I said, pick him up at my house because the drum kit was there. And I went, great. So I go home. I get ready. I'm dressed up. I don't know what I was wearing, but I didn't know what to wear. So anyhow, so I'm standing in front of Willie's house and I'm a, I'm a little guy. You know, I'm 5'8 now, but I was maybe a little shorter then. And um, and uh, this car pulls up in the driveway and there's a couple of guys in it. And the car doors open and so Charlie walks up and says, um... I'm looking for Tony. And I said, hi, I'm Tony. You know, in a 15-year-old voice, scared shitless. And so he and how said, old is Tr- are they they're like- in their 20s, 25 oh. or something like that. They're like, they're guys, oh. you know, they're like guys, you know. And uh, so uh, he, he goes, he looks at me, gives me a look. And I went, you know, we put the drums in the car. I get in the back seat and I could barely see over the window in the back seat. The, the, there was a guy in the front seat on the passenger side mm-hmm. and I hadn't, hadn't been introduced to him or didn't see his face or anything and and we get in the car and we're driving and Charlie says so uh, Tony um, like trying to find out my experiences where, where have you been playing lately I said well I, I played in my cousin's garage a couple times and I <laughs> and I uh, and I and I played at a couple of sock hops at school and everything and Charlie stops and goes are you telling me this is your first gig while he's driving? And I said, yes. And at that time, the bass player, 
who, unbeknownst to me, had a glass eye. Oh, my. He turns around and goes, no shit. <laughs> and so, I mean, it scared the hell out of me. I'm like, I'm not making this up. This is perfect. And so, so Charlie, so Charlie says, ah, damn Arnellis, he did it to us, didn't he? I said, guys, don't be afraid. It's okay. I, I could play, man. I, I could play this. What do, you, what do you want me to play? Well, do you know how to play this uh, version of the, the, the song? And I said, yeah, I know. I know. Yes, I know all those. He goes, well, all right. We'll just have to see how it goes. So we get to the club. And I set up my drums in the corner. And I don't know what to do. Like, these guys are walking around smoking cigarettes, getting <laughs> beers and everything. And I'm, like, going, waiting to start. And... Uh, sax player which Willie told me later on he remembered the name of the guy his name is Armando uh, walks up at the last second mm -hmm. before we're supposed to start playing like the guy's on stage ready to start playing where's the sax player Bucks up, busts open his case pulls his sax out Charlie says uh, Armando this here is Tony our drummer and uh, and Armando goes hey nice to meet you brother how you doing Nighttime is the right time ba -da -da -ba -ba -da. Bam, boom. <laughs> then we just start playing like no introduction, no thoughts, wow. whatever. Wow. And I'm just going, <laughs> yeah, okay, this is it. It's like jumping off of a cliff. And here we go. And, and did you know all the songs that they Yeah, it was yeah. fine. Yeah, yeah. I'll, tell, what, you, I'll tell you why it was fine because okay. at the end of the gig, they said, what are you doing next weekend? <gasps> wow. And I said, why? Because, well, we're playing over in Laporte on Friday and Saturday night. I said, if you can come pick me up, I'll ask my mom and dad, well, we'll come get you. <laughs> And they came and picked me up, took me to Laporte. We did the gigs and back and everything. And I think I made twelve dollars. You know, did you did you have no? I made twelve dollars the first night, and I made ten dollars the next weekend. So I paid. So I went to my I dad say, and I said, I had to hedge. I had to hedge a loan here out of my right. debt. Listen, I need fifty-five bucks. Well, I had twelve, so I need yeah. another thirty or forty. At some point, I borrowed like forty dollars from my dad or whatever. I said, I got to pay off these drums for a weekend, or else they go up fifty bucks. <laughs> 50 bucks. I'm like, yeah, dad. And he goes, all right, here. I paid it off. And I paid nice. It. As soon as I got any bit of money uh, that I, well, I owed him my money when I come in at night from those gigs, I just dropped it right on his chest drawer. Nice. Just dropped the money right there and go. And so did back. you keep playing with those guys? Uh, I probably did a couple of times after that. And I knew Charlie later on. I didn't, I never saw the bass player again, I don't think, after that. He was a scary guy. He's a very scary guy. <laughs> he probably got a job at, you know, Disneyland or something like that. You know? So, so okay, so you get your first gig, you have your first drum kit, you're 15. Yeah. What happens? Oh, uh, I start getting calls to do other stuff, like working nightclubs like that. It went on a little bit, and then. <laughs> but you don't have wheels. You... I don't still have wheels, and, and like now maybe it's just maybe in within the next year or so. Mm -hmm. I, I'm having peanuts. Yeah, yeah. We, always, okay, we, we eat on the show. We yeah, encourage we, food. We food. encourage eating. I didn't have dinner. So Alvino, I love you. Alvino, <laughs> what's up, my brother? I love you. How you doing? Peace. Okay, so yeah, I'm looking to oh, see, you should look to see if I know anybody. Yeah. See, I don't know any of your friends, you know. But well, no. where are your people? Oh, yeah. We, well, hopefully they'll, they'll watch later. Okay. Okay. I'm gonna do a watch party at seven thirty. Oh, it's oh, in like five minutes I'm gonna start a watch party. Okay. So. Um, so I'm yeah, playing so around I'm, town and starting yeah. to get some more gigs, and but not yeah. a, not not all the time, but you know, like weekend stuff. Yeah. And going to Catholic high school. I went to Catholic school for twelve years. Oh. I'm a are, the nun, are the nuns tough? 
Yahweh. Oh, yeah. And priest as well. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I get a job, and it's not far from the house. What, what kind of music are you playing at this time? Rhythm and blues. Oh, yeah, rhythm okay. and blues. Uh-huh. And in Texas, growing up in Texas, you had to play rhythm and blues, maybe a kind of a jazzy tune or two, mm-hmm. and you had to play country as well. Mm-hmm. You had to play everything. Yeah. How and about pop? You playing any pop music? Whatever was pop at the time. You'd okay. have to play a couple of cover songs. But jazz is something you have to kind of study, isn't it? Yeah, I couldn't play jazz. Yeah. <laughs> because I, now you play I with... fake jazz. <laughs> you know? Because, like, Vivino, he's like, you know, he knows about the jazz. He played with Vivino. He's Vivino? Like, yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a very, very studied, well studied, yes. well rounded musician. He yeah. knows. He's great. But when you play with him, you don't play the jazz. No, no. no he and I've been playing mostly rhythm and blues kind mm-hmm. of stuff when we were working together. I, I was in a session with him a couple of weeks ago, um, hey, with Jimmy. Rob Stone and Barry Goldberg. I think they're making a record on Rob Stone, and they hired me for a couple of songs. Nice. Okay, so so go back, so go back to your story. Nightclubs, I... and then so like now I'm I'm happy being a nightclub musician at that age because right. that's exactly what I want to do is just play. Uh-huh. And um, do you have a vision of? Nah. No, you just you just <laughs> you just want to play. No, I want to I want to make good enough grades to get through high school and and play and be. Do you think you? Do you I, have, I, I was do you have I was an athlete. No, it? I was an athlete when I was uh-huh. coming up playing baseball. Uh huh. Then I played football till I just realized that everybody was too much bigger than me, and 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 I would be out there in pads trying to play football and realizing that you know I, there was a, a, mm. a moving wall. <laughs> And I couldn't, I couldn't, couldn't do it anymore. You couldn't penetrate that wall. I couldn't. And thank it. you, Yankees, for getting rained out tonight. Yeah, that's helping us big because time. Because the Astros are going to beat you. <laughs> no. Ooh, watch it. <laughs> so, so they, so far they are, which is really. Who knows? It's a yeah. great series. Two fabulous teams, and in both of them, whoever wins is going to meet an even more fierce team yes. in the Nationals. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. no. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a great series. Well, um, I'm playing around town. Yeah. And the next and, funny and story. Have, okay, so do you have? I want to hear the funny story, but you're not thinking ahead to what I want to do when I. I, I just I want to play. I yeah. just want to. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean the the family okay. is always like because I was gregarious and outgoing. Yeah. And I made good grades, whether I really worked at it or not, whether I was studious, and. Um, I achieved, and I had lots of friends, and I was kind of popular because of my outgoing personality. <laughs> I'm spitting peanuts. And, right, um, we do this as we get right. older. So, um, I that, there was, you know, they were all like, "What's he going to do? Is he going to doctor, a lawyer, or whatever?" Uh-huh. You know. So I was thinking, you know, while I was in high school, um, I was thinking maybe study to be a chiropractor. And wow, I that's that's quite a departure. From mm. Bang. And, you know, I didn't think about law or anything like that. I wasn't sure what I wanted. I really never, like, focused on going to go to college to be something. Mm-hmm. But you went to college. I went to college for a couple of years. I went to mm-hmm. chiropractic college and mm-hmm. went through the science thing. And mm-hmm. after two years, I just said to my mom, I said, honey, I'm, I was playing already in one of the top bands in town. Oh. A big 10-piece soul band on the oh, other side nice. of town. Six uh-huh. nights a week. Mm-hmm. Wow. Making $125 a week, which was... Wow. Yeah, I was able to drive it, you know, keep my car nice and, and um And how you're like seventeen, eighteen? Yeah. Yeah. Eighteen. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. No no, yeah, eighteen, nineteen. Mm-hmm. And I was going to college as well, mm-hmm. trying to make grades and I made grades and worked six nights a week and after the second year I was like 
first year I didn't work in that nightclub of mm -hmm. college. Second year I did. Mm -hmm. 68, 69, 67, 68. And so at the end of that that semester, uh, spring semester, I said to my mom, I said, it's not gonna, I'm gonna try this music thing. Oh, son, oh, don't, you know, stay in school. I went, mom, I gotta try this. It's, I just, I, it feels natural to me. And I never went back to school. Okay, so now I, I know a little bit, because I've, I've spoken to Terry and I've, I've spoken to uh, Terry Wilson and Snuffy Walden about The Cellar. Uh, wh when is that happening for you? Are you playing at The Cellar? That came a little bit later. That yeah. was later. You're I mean, so I carried on playing in nightclubs from, yeah. from that age of 15, 16, 17, 18, 19. And you're playing uh, in a band that's doing well. Well, well, eventually I was, I, 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 the nightclub thing was something I really wanted to do. And once I got into it and I did it for all those years, I realized that that was like, there was a ceiling there. And I'm going, I'm just going to grow old and, and, and weird. So what, 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 clubs, what were nightclubs like in, in the, Houston back then? Some of them were small, and, uh -huh. and, and there was there was a lot of CDs. I mean, I worked in a strip club, and that's when... Right. That was a funny story, because I was not long after I got going, I'm playing in a strip club four or five nights a week while I was in high school. While you were in high school? While I Is was in legal? high school. Yeah. Uh, no yeah. one busted me, <laughs> including my parents. Yeah. Wow. I didn't do it for a long time. I did it for uh, like a couple of months or something like uh -huh. that, or several weeks, and... Uh, uh, my father didn't know where I was playing and ah. being a good Catholic man that was not something that would have been shown upon very you know mm. well and and a funny thing happened on a because so once again I got somebody in the band to pick me up to take me to that gig every night and drive me home mm -hmm. alright and when that was failed my cousin Sammy who had also had a drum kit that I grew up with um, my cousin I grew up with who had a drum kit Lived close to where the club was, and he was just got his driver's license and was looking for any reason at all to hop in the family car and go pick me up or drive around. I had to go pick up Tony, take him. Okay, and, and his aunt, his mother, my aunt Millie, uh, who passed away, was um, she was so wonderful, and she was like, "Oh, go get him!" And he was like, "Go get him and take him over there." And so my cousin Sammy would pick me up or somebody else, and this went on for weeks. Okay. And finally, one Sunday night. Um, I hear you get a phone call. Uh, I, I can't come pick you up. I call the other guy. I'm sorry, man. I can't. I'm over here trying to get a ride. Sammy, can you come get me? No, I can't. Archie's got the car. Oh, no. Oh, hell. How am I going to get there? My dad goes, what's going on, son? I said, uh, nothing, dad. Because I don't want my dad to know where I'm playing. Right. You're at the strip club. Yeah. I don't want my dad to know. So um, he says, what's going on? You need a ride? I said, no, no, no. I'm going to be okay. I'll, I'll get a ride. He goes, no. I'll give you a ride. And he goes, no, dad. It's okay. All right. And so he goes, no, I said I'll give you a ride. I said, all right. I'm like sitting in there going, oh, I'm God. Like, oh <laughs> shit, oh shit. We're riding all the way. We get to the place and I said, you can stop and let me off right here. And he goes, well, no, where is it? I said, it's just down there. I'll just walk. I'll just walk, Dad. He goes, I'll drive you over. He drives over. He pulls up in front of this dive. It's called the Polka Dot Lounge. Uh Girls, girls, girls. And they had one of those marquees with the lights that go around it on a trailer or whatever, you know. Topless oh, dancers. Oh, oh, So my dad reads that and goes, son, that sign says topless dancers. I said, he goes, I said, uh, yes, dad. He goes, yeah. So uh, these, these women in there that take off their clothes, I said, yes, dad. Uh, most, most of their clothes. Uh, yeah, yeah. And he goes, well... Being a Catholic goes, well, you know, that's a mortal sin. 
you know, my dad's preaching to me. And I'm going, well, you know, Dad, I, I thought fast. I, went, I said, you know, Dad, I, ta- I asked Father, I forget what's Father's name, I said, was Father William at, 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 at school, well, I told him about us and asked him what he thought about it. And he says, as long as you don't get aroused, it's not a mortal sin. <laughs> and my dad went, well, well okay. <laughs> Duh. So I go in, I play, and I'm going, uh-oh, this is gonna, this, something's going to happen. So my aunt finds out that she, I have to, my dad drives me there. Of course, my aunt could see the rascal in my dad and appreciated it. And she said to my mother the next day, because they were best friends, my aunt and my mother, she said, I hear uh, Albert drove Tony to, to work last night. And she goes, my mom said, yes, he did. And, um, oh, um, so he saw where the place was and what it is. He goes, yeah, I think Albert's not too happy about that. You know, and so my, my aunt, being the rascal that she was, she, a couple days later she goes, Jody, why don't you and Albert meet me and LC out there Friday night? Let's go watch Tony play. <laughs> so, 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 I'm going, oh, Aunt Millie. Uh, oh, well, I got to face the music. So I'm up there playing, and, sh- and, and my mom says, I don't think, my, I don't think Albert's going to want to go. And so. Uh, Have they ever seen you play to this point? No, not no. not on a gig. Okay. No, no, uh-huh. no, so no. they're gonna come to no. a strip club for yeah. their first. First time to watch your son play. <laughs> How proud can you be? So uh, they, they, I see them walk in. I'm nervous as hell. I'm when the dancers are dancing and then they're not dancing and they're and the girls had their dressing room over here and they had a curtain on it. And sometimes because I was 15, 16 years old, mm-hmm. 17 years old at the time, they they would like flash me. You know, they're like just over there just fun. going, you know, and I'm going. Father William said, "Don't get aroused." <laughs> so, so uh, uh, they came in, and I saw them all sit at a table there. And one of the dancers came out, and I went, "Well, this is this is the moment of truth." And I'm playing, and um, and the dancer comes out, and she takes her stuff off, and she tassels, and boom, 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 and we're playing a, a stripper beat of some sort or whatever. And I see my dad leave the table. And I've kind of followed him with my eyes. Uh-huh. And there was there were four posts on the dance floor. And my dad went over to one of the posts. And he was always very respectful to my mom about mm-hmm. stuff like that. He would never disrespect my mom mm-hmm. as a male to female in any way That's at all. Right. Just so much honor and everything. Mm-hmm. And my dad, I see him peek his head around <laughs> that corner to look at, because he was a rascal, you know? And just see that woman dancing. He was getting a really good view. Whoa, yeah. <laughs> Because he couldn't look while he was sitting at the table with mom. He was going to look the other way. He was embarrassed. So we take a break and we go off and my aunt says, Honey, you sounded great. You really you can play. It's great to hear you play. And, and the girls play. aren't in front of you? Yeah, they're out there on the dance floor. Uh-huh. You know, I saw more over here in the dressing room than I saw out there. Okay. And so I went and sat at the table and my dad and I were kind of like, Hey, Dad. He goes, Hi, son. I said, so what'd you think about those dancers? He goes, uh, son, I wasn't watching. <laughs> and I went, you lying bastard, you, oh God. So that's probably where I get my rascal from, you know. So I carried on from there and I kept working in nightclubs and then I kind of moved up the scale a little bit and got a little bit better at playing and, and, uh. And have you, you've not, you, this is all self-taught? Yes, uh-huh. never took a lesson. Wow. Until much, much later in life. Mm-hmm. And, um. 
I think at the end of my run there with uh, at the Dome Shadows, and that was about sixty-eight mm, or something like that, sixty-nine. Mm-hmm. And that's right around the time I met Snuffy, mm-hmm. and right around the time I met Willie. Right after that, uh, Willie, no, uh, Terry. Terry Wilson. And how did you meet those guys? Terry Wilson was. In, I I joined a band then. I got asked to join a band called Buttermilk Bottom, and it was some great talent and everything. And then we were we were the hot. We were one of the hot local young bands that did some originals and some really cool, well chosen pop songs. Not pop, but and what kind of stuff. original stuff are you doing? Is um, it... it was all R and B rock and uh-huh. rock and R and B stuff mm-hmm. and Are you getting into rock and roll? A little bit. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. A little bit. Um that's about the same time I met Snuffy and mm-hmm. we were just acquaintances and everything and hung out at a few parties or whatever. Uh and then uh when I quit that nightclub, that's when I went, ah I want to do something. I want to be in a band. I want to move. Now I want to be in a band. I want to be on tour. Mm-hmm. I want to make records. I want to be what those bands, the Beatles, what the, you know, the right. Beatles had hit but years before. And mm-hmm. so when the Beatles hit, that was the only thing probably that distracted me from the rhythm and blues and stuff that I was playing. Mm-hmm. And and uh, so that brought another rock and roll element to the music that, that I grew up with in, in Texas, which is very well, very much based in, in rhythm and blues. Mm-hmm. And... Um, uh, this band Buttermilk Bottom. That's around that time I met Terry and Rabbit, who was later in the Who, mm-hmm. and later on I worked with, and later Rabbit was in Crawler, and later Terry, me, and Rabbit were all, you know, we were founder members of Crawler, Backstreet Crawler, then Crawler, and um, their band, uh, the band that Terry had, their drummer had had a drug problem, and he had kind of OD'd. Oh. Mildly OD'd again mildly for the second OD'd. or third time or something one night. <laughs> you, you know, he didn't kill himself. He just right. OD'd a little bit. You know, just, just a, a little, little bit, bit. I OD'd. You know, <laughs> I went to the hospital in the emergency room, and his name was Turtle. All these guys have names, and Rabbit so and Turtle. Rabbit and Turtle in the same band, <laughs> and um, uh, they asked me to join the band at that point because they said, "Well, we're not putting up with this anymore." So I said, "You know, I'm just about had my car packed." Mm-hmm. to move to Los Angeles because my friend Willie Arnellis was living in Los Angeles. Is he playing? playing drums. He's living in L.A. Okay. playing drums and he's playing like what kind of stuff bands and, and he was starting to do film and TV work right oh, at wow. that time. And Willie did a ton of film and TV. Oh, a nice. Lot. He was one of the top call guys for mm-hmm. a long time. Mm-hmm. And um, so uh, I went, no, I'm, I'm, I'm moving to California. I'm, I'm getting out of here. Texas, I can always feel, could always feel like Texas was always holding me back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so... They said, "Look, man, we want to get out of here too." And I said, "Oh, well, okay." So, uh, all right, I like the band. Mm-hmm. I like the band. Rabbit had left the band, and Rabbit had moved to Sweden to be write songs with Johnny Nash and Bob Marley. They lived in a house together. Is that how you met Johnny Nash? Uh, uh, yes, kind of indirectly because okay, of you'll that. tell that story. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so we. Bob Marley. So yeah, good stories there too. Um, um, I joined their band, mm-hmm. uh, and we called it Blutes. Um, I said to Terry, okay, but we got to get out of town. We have to move from Houston no more than a year. And okay. he goes, oh, man, I'm the same way. I'm with you, man. Let's do it. So it took about a year and a half, two years. But mm-hmm. we got we eventually got a record deal in New York City, and we went to New York when City. That, was that a hard thing to do back in those days? Yeah. How did yeah. that happen from, for you guys? From, from a bunch of hayseeds down in Houston. Yeah, to get a so record how did that happen New York. for you? I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Okay. I think I think our our lead singer, Andy, might have had something to do with it. And we were, 
Larry Kane was our manager, and he had a local Saturday dance show. And, oh, uh, you Al, went to New York to get signed, or you got signed no, we in got, Houston? We the, the the deal came up for us to go to New. I can't remember. That's mm-hmm. a good, very good question. In fact, I need to talk to Terry and find out what happened. How did we do that? <laughs> Terry will probably. Terry, are you watching? No, he's Terry, probably working tonight. He probably is. It's Wednesday night. They're yeah. probably at the write off room, right? So, anyhow, we went to New York, and that's when I got thrown into the deep end up there. And we did a lot of work at Electric Lady Studios. Mm. We cut our record there, and mm. we. I ended up because I had a little bit of studio experience. So I had a lot of studio experience in Houston. And Did you? Yeah, yeah. Growing up there, I, I I always wanted to play in the studio, and mm-hmm. I very early on I was like doing recording sessions. And they, how you know, did you get your first session? Do you remember? I really don't remember. Mm-hmm. I really don't remember. I just wanted to do it. Uh-huh. I always wanted to record. I was was intrigued. Were you by a that. good network? Like, how did you make this stuff happen for yourself? You I've always networker? been a good networker. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm still networking. Because you're very social. I'm very networking. Mm-hmm. You know, I network like crazy all day long. Mm-hmm. That's half of my it's, job. It's, it's what we have. As a producer now, mm-hmm. there's a lot of networking and a lot of exchange with uh, lots of personalities and business people and artists and everything. And it, I have to keep everything rolling, you know. And uh-huh. you know, some people say, "Well, you're a really good hustler." I goes, "Well, I don't really consider this a hustle. Mm-hmm. It's what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, hustling to me is trying to talk somebody into something that they, they, they shouldn't be doing. Right. They don't want to do. Right. I'm right. just the opposite. I'm trying to help them elevate their career or whatever, make a really good sounding record or whatever. Mm-hmm. And um, and and it gives me an opportunity to be creative. And but anyhow, so we moved to New York, and that that record. It got a little bit of airplay, but it didn't do very well. And while we were in New York, we got an opportunity to work with Johnny Nash because he was introduced to us through Rabbit, Rabbit through Cayman Music because Johnny Nash and Danny Timms, his manager, had a publishing company called Cayman Music, and they were living in Stockholm together with Bob Marley and Rabbit wow. and, uh, and and Fred, what's his name on keyboard. And they all lived in this house and they all wrote songs and they all lived in different bedrooms and sometimes they wrote songs together. And uh, Rabbit's told me quite a few stories about living with Bob Marley. I met and Bob what Marley. what the hell was that? I met like? Bob when he uh, still had nappy hair before he yeah. ever had a dreadlock, you know. Wow. Yeah. Uh-huh. A nice, nice young, sweet guy, you know. He was, you know. And it smelled really good in there. Yeah, I bet it did. <laughs> I bet it did. Oh, later on, I got to we. I, I later on, I was in the den with him of iniquity a few times, and we're at the studios in the, in, a, in London Island. So anyhow, we uh, we took this opportunity to go on the road with Johnny Nash and Rabbit and I and our keyboard player Mike Montgomery and our guitar player David Keeley. Mike's passed on us many years ago from cancer. Keeley passed on us a little over a year ago, mm-hmm. about a year ago, and and yeah. Getting old, losing our friends right and left, mm-hmm. and um, we went out on the road with them, and they joined. And there's four. He brought in four Ghanaians to be in the band as well. Three of them were horn players, and one was a percussionist. And they we became Ghanaians. the son Ghanaians that were living in London that 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 Johnny knew, and we became the sons of the jungle. And we recorded our own stuff, mm-hmm. and could have if we hadn't had outside bad influences, probably gotten ourselves a record deal as the son of, sons of the jungle. So nothing ever really come to came the, the Johnny Johnny Nash thing didn't last very long, uh-huh. blah blah blah. And then all of a sudden one day, I'm going to move back to Texas, and I I think Are I you did living? barely barely barely, mm-hmm. barely getting by, you know, gig to gig, and I moved back to Texas, and we get a call. Rabbit wants 
Terry and I to go, while we were on the road with Johnny Nash in New York and in LA, we hit a couple of big studios into some recording for Rabbit Solo Records. Mm -hmm. And when he took that back to Ireland and they fell in love with the tracks that he did, Chris Blackwell says, who are these guys? These are my buddies from school, from, you know, from town, from mm -hmm. home. And so, um, uh, he, Blackwell, they just they negotiated something that where Rabbit was able to, if Blackwell said, if you can get them over here, or if they can get themselves over to London, mm -hmm. we'll give them a place to live and a stipend every week, and they can be staff, drummer, and bass player, for anybody else here that needs them. Wow. So That's a sweet deal. How called, old are you at this point? I'm in my early 20s. Uh -huh. So we called, uh, how are we going to be able to afford a ticket to London? Where are you going to get the money? I can't go to my mom and dad. They're not going to give me a ticket to go to London. I don't know anybody who's got that kind of money. <laughs> I didn't have a rich uncle. I couldn't really go beg somebody, you know? And I wasn't going to make that money very quick. It's four, five, six, seven. I don't know, I don't know what it cost back then. Mm -hmm. It might have cost thousands for all I know. Right, probably more expensive than it is, than it is now. now. Right, and so right. uh, we called uh, uh, the, uh, the the publisher, Danny Timms, and said, would he ask him if he would help us? And he goes, sure, I'll buy you tickets to London. He said, you know, come to New York first. And we went to New York and sat down, and Danny said, I want you to be, you know, continue writing songs for me and, and Johnny and our publishing company. And every time you put a song into our publishing company, you can go in the studio, we'll pay for small studios, and you can demo them, and we'll give you $50 every time you drop a song. And so I go to I go to London, and I'm getting a stipend every week. Mm -hmm. We flew over, we get and there. And you and Terry are writing together? Terry and I were writing together, mm -hmm. and we were writing with other people. Mm -hmm. And uh, we got over there, we wrote together, Terry wrote with other people, I wrote with other people, we continued writing songs. And um, uh, we stayed there, it was supposed to be a six-month trial. Mm -hmm. I stayed there five years. Nice. And I loved it, and I had a great time living in London. I, I, it and became you make a it a living? Yeah. I, mm -hmm. Once I got over there now, the, us, Terry and I being this combination of, of drums and bass battery mm -hmm. from, uh, from Texas, it was kind of like, oh, those two guys from Texas are in town, and let's get their grease. <laughs> so we go lay our grease on their tracks. And it was pretty cool. And, you know, we get paid some very decent money from time to time in the mm -hmm. studio. Did you record with anybody of no? Um, uh, not really during those days. Uh -huh. No, uh -huh. no. A lot of the lesser acts that, that they had, mm -hmm. you know, at, at Island Records. So, uh, Jim Capaldi, when he did a solo thing mm -hmm. uh, from Traffic and that crew. And then while we were kind of hanging out at Island still, though... We weren't living in the apartment anymore, but we were still going there and still getting work, and that was our base, our central. Um, this thing came up where Free had broken up, mm -hmm. and Paul Kossoff mm -hmm. uh, was in Free, and he wanted to start his own band. A bad company had started, and so he was trying to start his own band. And so we went and played with Paul, and Paul was, you know, when Paul was on and he was sober, or at least, you know, just not wasted. Mm -hmm. He was a brilliant, brilliant guitar player with a lot of feel and a lot of soul. Mm -hmm. Wonderful, you know, short little guy that just could really bend the strings and mm -hmm. really make it cry. He was fabulous. Mm -hmm. But he had a real problem, a deep, deep, mm -hmm. deep problem. And it just never got better. And it, um, tragic. 
you know, yeah, 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 and yeah, he died young, mm-hmm. and so, but we made uh, a record, made two records, and that's when Snuffy came back in the picture because he was over in London in a band called Stray Dog, and oh, I would yeah. run into him over there, mm-hmm. and uh, and we were, you know, up to our shenanigans again, even <laughs> over there or wherever. We were up to a lot of shenanigans over there, <laughs> and um, uh, we started Crawler, and uh, we made uh, the first record we made out of Ridge Farm out in Sussex, and uh, we made that with just the guys in the band. Rabbit wasn't available. He was on the road with Eric Burden at the time uh-huh. in the States when we were trying to put that band together. So Mike Montgomery got hired to come over and play. We brought him over from Texas, or New York. He was living in New York. And so we put the band together, and we made the first record. And then by the time we got around the second record, Rabbit had come back around, and we had to make the move to get Rabbit. It was it was necessary to have Rabbit in the band because mm-hmm. of our root and where we came from. Mm-hmm. Plus, he was close to Casa. Mm-hmm. We made the second record, and then Paul died on the airplane on the way home mm-hmm. on a, way, a red eye flight from Los Angeles to. He died on a plane. Yeah, we were in Los Angeles to New York <coughs> on a red eye, and we were going to to New York to do um. A bunch of promotion the next day. Uh, Ahmed Erdogan at, at Atlantic had signed us, and, wow. and as far as he was concerned, he was going to make us the next Led Zeppelin. And uh, and Paul could never get his act together. Mm-hmm. And um, um, I was sitting on a plane next to him when we took off, and he offered me a bunch of drugs before we took off, and I went, "No, I'm, I'm cool." You know. And we took off, and um, before when I could feel the plane landing coming to New York. And, you know, we had a couple of drinks, cocktails, and I fell asleep sitting on the window. And I could feel the plane coming down. I went, oh, I looked over and Paul wasn't there. And I, where's Paul? I look around the plane. You know, just get him walk around the plane. And um, I yelled at the road manager and I said, Johnny, where's Paul? He goes, I don't know. Paul was in the bathroom. And he had gone in there and Oh Lord, that's when he died. Yeah. Oh my Lord. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. He had passed a year before uh, from drugs uh, and was brain dead for probably close to an hour. And they say oh. you're not supposed to be brain dead more than a minute. Yeah, yeah, minutes. yeah. And he was, and they couldn't figure out how he wasn't. Wow. But he came back. He was But he, and and he played some more and everything. But he just couldn't keep himself from. Uh, it was heroin. It was downers and anything that. Opiates, mm. boom, opiates, and so he pa- he passed, and that was quite a shocking thing to be in New York and be on the verge of having this great uh, promotional opportunity as a band at our age. Oh God, yeah, you were on the way to do promo. Oh Lord, that's disruptive. Career interrupt us. Oh God. So what happened? Um, we went back to London uh, a couple of days later, and and Glenn Johns mixed that record and. The record was a really good record, mm-hmm. and um, we did most of a lot of. Well, we did some in New York as well. We went back and forth between New York and LA, and um, it was released. And but you know, no band to tour or anything, and mm-hmm. so we went. Well, we got to get another guitar player. Well, the record company was happy if we were going to get a big star guitar player. So Mick Taylor from the Stones and people like that. You know, they were they were after the big names. Mm-hmm. Well, let's get a big name to be with these guys. And we're okay. You know, guys were. 
they were entertaining the opportunity or the thought or whatever, mm -hmm. but nobody ever really completely been on it. So we found another guy and we really liked him and we loved how he played. His name was Jeff Whitehorn. So we put together Crawler and we got out of our record deal at Atlantic, which was mm -hmm. difficult. Mm -hmm. And uh, we had a brilliant lawyer and we met our manager Abe Hawk at Robert Stigwitz house one night at a party. Wow. Um, playing pool. Terry and I beat him and his friend and he was kind of pissed off about it. He, you know, he thought he was a hustler. Abe, if you're watching, you're a hustler. Love you. So we carried on as Crawler uh, and, and got signed to CBS and um, then we started touring the states after that and opening up for some big, big acts. Some big acts. Big like, acts. who were you opening for? The Foreigner. Nice. And, and Kansas and Robin Trower. Okay, so now what's that like Triumph for you, you, uh, you Houston boys, and now you're playing like arena kind of thing? Yeah. But what's, what's, that, what's that trip like? Fun, was, wild, crazy. Like, the, can you remember the first time you like walked out on the stage in an arena and you're like. Yeah. I don't remember the first time, but you know. Just but yeah, that. It, it was just, it was amazing. It was. Mm -hmm. Kind of overwhelming, mm -hmm. you know, to be in, in in front of a crowd like that playing drums. But and how were people to the opening act when you're opening? We're, there was good. Everybody oh. liked us. Oh. Uh, you know, I I, we, I I just don't think we ever got the lucky break. You know, mm -hmm. or we did the right thing, or mm -hmm. whatever. You know, mm -hmm. we weren't trying to make the music that they were trying to get us to make. They're you know they they were trying to get us to formulate our music and make it like a certain style. It was on the radio at the time, mm -hmm. and we would do that a little bit, but not. No, we wouldn't give in because we were more true to our roots. Mm -hmm. So we had two English guys and three guys from Texas. So it was this combination of, of uh, teabag Texas, you know, energy and everything. Mm -hmm. And it was great because we could rock. Texas, that's but great. we were funky too, uh -huh. you know. And um, it was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed it. It was sad that we made two records and they did pretty well. Mm -hmm. One song called Stone Cold Sober got a lot of airplay mm -hmm. on the radio. And, and uh, we got a lot of fun out of it and uh, made a lot of friends all over the country. Mm -hmm. And uh, then the, the band uh, split up, just kind of fell apart. Mm -hmm. And um, I moved to California again. I was working around town with Terry and Jimmy Don and Danny Everett and some other people. And we had a couple of little bands and Blaze Foley. And, and finally one day I went, hey guys, I'm moving to California. And they went, what? I said, no, I'm gone two weeks. They went, wow, why? I went, look, why? You can only go so far here. We're playing in a little, you know, we're having a lot of fun mm -hmm. playing in small clubs, you mm -hmm. know, but uh, I got to move on. And so they all followed me. Did you me. have ambition at this point? Wait, did, did you have absolutely. a plan yet? Uh, just to get the hell out of Houston and, and be moved to California and be a session guy, okay, you know, session guy. get out here and be one of the players, be okay. one of the you know one of the people. That's what. But I was a, being in a band was not the thought at this. No, time. no, no. no. It, if a band happened, fine. But okay. I was, I, 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 wanted to be when I got when when we got the offer to be with Baxter Crawler, I turned it down. And and Terry and I were riding in the cab on the way over to Island that morning. And we had to go. We had to go tell him whether yes or no. Mm -hmm. And I said, "Man, I don't think I really want to do this." And he goes, "Why?" I said, "I just have other musical aspirations right now. I want to play different kinds of music. I don't think I want to be in a hard, heavy rock band right now." Mm -hmm. Come on, give it a try. Kind of talked me into it. Mm -hmm. And I went, "Okay." So I went over and thought I'd give it a try. Eh, you know, of course, after a while, it gets kind of sexy. Mm -hmm. You know, you're doing it. You think it's it's fun, and it was fun. Mm -hmm. But I moved out of here in 79, and, mm -hmm. and I, and I kind of hit the ground running, I guess. Uh, I was lucky. 
I had uh, relationships with friends and people out here, and this is a city of relationships, mm-hmm. and this business is. And uh, I moved in with Willie <laughs> in Hollywood. North Hollywood, mm-hmm. and he kind of looked after me for a little bit, and I crashed at his place, and I did cartage for him. And meanwhile, I'd come from a band that was well known in England, and right. you know, it was a rock band kind of guy, and now you know, little cartage. little rock stud. Now I'm doing his cartage, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> you know, brought me down a notch, but uh, I didn't. The, uh, By cartage, I think you mean moving his shit. I moved his you shit. You moved his shit. I moved okay. Arnellis's shit, and I was always late. And he's going to say that <laughs> if he gets on. You know, hey Willie, I hope you yeah. see this. So, um, and then I got my. First break with um, playing on demos for Eric Burden and did some touring with Eric Burden, mm-hmm. some mild touring with Eric Burden uh, around the States. And, is, uh, is he is he riding high from animals? Is, what, what point in his career? Is, it was pretty low. Okay. Pretty low. Mm-hmm. And, um, this uh, is 70s? 80s? Uh, when is this? 79 when mm-hmm. I moved here. So 80, 81. Mm-hmm. And I did that, and we went to we did a tour of Australia, which is really fun because Snuffy was a wild man. Snuffy, <laughs> I've seen up. Hey, I, I, I told all this, and I told all this in the movie. It's you know, it's, yeah. I'm not I'm not breaking anything out. <laughs> yeah, it's called Up to Snuff. It's That's a right. great documentary about uh, Snuffy Walden that our, our good friend Mark Maxey did. He did a fabulous job on it, and he asked me to interview. They interviewed me for. The, the documentary about Snuffy and I asked Snuffy I said are you sure you really want to interview me <laughs> I said, he goes, I said do you want me to like tone it he goes no no tell the truth I went Snuffy <laughs> Snuffy come on and so um, anyhow Eric Burden thing happened for a while and we did a movie in Berlin and we, we did some oh recording. I saw a little part of that movie yeah was, I had a little acting part <laughs> Snuffy and I did. So, yeah. We were in the same scene. So now, is that where your acting career began? Yeah. I, I played um, I played uh, Dracula in my senior year of high school. Oh well. I, I there played you go. I played a, an old man in a couple of other in a, in a play, and I mm-hmm. I did several plays in high school, so I got a little bit of drama and, and, okay. and a little bit of acting. Mm-hmm. And I've never been shy, so mm-hmm. um, that worked out well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, then 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 my next. Opportunity was I got uh, an opportunity. Well, a friend of mine was working, was coming around to nightclubs and watching me play in different bands and everything. And we got to be friends, and he was affiliated with Warner Brothers a little bit. And and Warner Brothers, uh, Ricky Lee Jones had had Chucky's in Love, and then her next record was Pirates. And she was putting together a band to go out that summer. And so my friend um, got me an audition, and. Um, and uh, I went and auditioned, and I was there at the end of the week, and I think it was the last guy mm-hmm. on the Saturday or something like that. Mm-hmm. And I got a call from the road manager that night saying, Ricky likes your playing. Oh, you want to come back on Monday? And I went, yeah, she, she hasn't hired you yet. I went, okay. Mm-hmm. It took her forever to hire people. <clears throat> and so, um, and her music's very quirky, and I, I was studying some amazing recordings to, like, try to get the gig anyhow. Mm-hmm. And... Um, um, I went back on Monday and played, and while I'm up there playing, the road manager comes up and says, um, this is so funny because I was trying to get lessons from this drummer, and he's a friend of mine now, I can mm-hmm. say this, and I was really, at, I just, I was at that point where I wanted to start studying with certain people, mm-hmm. and I'd taken some lessons when I got out here to help my reading chops come up a little bit. 
Do you read? A little bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I read. I read, but not excellent. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, I can. I read you enough to get, get by. by. I get by, mm-hmm. as they say. Mm-hmm. So, um, the road manager comes up to me and taps me on the shoulder and says, "Hey, uh, Ricky's got this other friend. She wants to let Try play." And I went, "Oh, okay." And I and I get up and I walk and as I'm walking out, Dave Garibaldi's walking in. I went, oh my god, went, you know, and I'm, wow, wow, Dave Garibaldi, how you doing, man? And he's, hey man, nice to meet you. Okay, I walk out. I'm like, oh well. So I go home and and uh, my wife at the time said, what happened? I said, eh, you know, Dave Garibaldi walked in. I guess I lost the gig. About three or four days later, uh, on Friday. Garibaldi stays all week long, and and she said, I don't know, uh, what about that Tony guy? And so she came out. My friend Mike Ruff said, Why don't you go watch Tony play, at a band in a band with me on Friday night? Katie Segal was singing, the mm-hmm. actress, and we we had a band that backed her up. Mm-hmm. And uh, Mike said, Why don't you come see Tony play with Katie? He knows her material, and now you can see how he can assert himself as a drummer. And uh, so she came out and watched me play. And afterwards, uh, we went and had a drink and talked about a little bit, just BS. And she said, uh, uh, "She said, will you come back and audition for me tomorrow?" And I and I and I had a little bravado, and <laughs> I went, "No, I won't come back and audition, but I'll come back and play for you." And she goes, "Okay, I'll see you over there tomorrow." So I walked into the studio, and the same thing happens. Like you know, when the door opens, the bright sunlight comes in. You know, that's what I saw when Garibaldi walks in on me. I open the door and I'm walking in. And nice. he was surprised and it was kind of awkward. Oh, you when, mean he was there? Oh, he was you, there. Oh, it was awkward no. as hell. No, I mean, that's, I felt not, like, that's not no, a good story. No, it was awkward story. as hell. Poor Dave. <laughs> that's not a good Fabulous story. Fabulous drummer, one of a kind in this world. Nobody can touch Dave Garibaldi, it was, oh. what, what he does. He's mm-hmm. a monster and a sweetheart of a uh, person. Great human being. I love it. So him. why did she make that choice, do you think? I don't know. I, she just wanted to hear it different. And, and that's I've been in that situation before where mm-hmm. I've been replaced because somebody wanted to hear it different. That's mm-hmm. a, that's an, an artist. And an artist can have you play for them for a while. And after a couple of years or a, a couple of months or a week, go, no, I want to hear something different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, mm-hmm. I've gone in and out of gigs that way, mm-hmm. you know. And, and I don't think I've ever been fired because I sucked. Right. You it's know? just a change of it's just a change of temperament or whatever. They mm-hmm. want to do something different, you mm-hmm. know. And when I've lost, you know, it was devastating the the first time or so it ever happened to me. Mm-hmm. But then I learned and went, no, you know what? Just let it go because you learn to not take it personally. No, you can't take it personal. Mm-hmm. You can't look at okay, all right, good, move on. Because mm-hmm. something else is going to happen. And it happens all the time. It you always guys. happens. Yeah. It always happens. Rejection is like, you know. Mm-hmm. Willie said to me when you first I first got here, said, get used to being punched in the stomach. And I went, okay. <laughs> I remember the first time it really happened to me. One day I came home and he was, and I was staying at his house. He goes, what happened? I went, oh, so-and-so. And he goes, what did I tell you? And he goes, yeah. I said, it feels horrible. I said, I don't know if I want to be in this business. He goes, ah, you chicken shit. You know, he gives me, gives me hell about, you know, being a wuss. And I went, okay, I'll show you, buddy. So, but anyhow, how uh, long did you play? I I, I, I was, got to go to Ricky's Christmas party. Um, she's fabulous, man! What an incredible artist, incredible songwriter, singer. We had some of the most magical moments on stage. How, how long did yeah. you? Did you... Uh, I did two different tours with her. Uh-huh. Yeah, and then after that, I went to Bette Midler. Uh, now, how the hell? Okay, that's a bit. How how did you get back in? Okay, how so now happen? so now in L.A., I'm like I'm like a, a guy who can like. They see that I'm I'm a guy who can hold a gig. What? 
Who's that? Oh, Siri's. You're talking to hey, Siri, Siri during the show. I'm telling a story here. Leave me alone. So Siri says, Siri says, no, no, no. You're telling the wrong thing. That's incorrect. That is incorrect. Um, so um, now I'm a guy in town who can like hold a gig. Yeah. Oh, because you've you've spent time I, with Ricky. Well, right? I got the, 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 those are difficult days, and you know, mm -hmm. people were pretty wild back then. Ricky right. was pretty wild back mm -hmm. then. She had she had issues, mm -hmm. and uh, but she was getting over them, and she did a great job of getting through all of that. Mm -hmm. So I, I I was I was thrown in the deep end, and I survived it. And so when the Bette Miller gig came up, it was a, a Similar affiliations with musicians that I had gotten You'd been to know. Recommended by somebody? Yeah, that was on that gig that, that knew me from the other gig. Well, we're not sure about this drummer here. Well, call Tony Bronigal. And I'm sitting on the couch and. Was what it year April is this? or May? That's 83. Mm -hmm. So Bet is. She's already huge. Huge! Huge! Oh, man. We played arenas and all over the place. And we would play sometimes two or three nights in the place. She was wonderful. She really treated everybody to band great. Okay, so, t so tell tell us about that experience working with Bet. How um, fun was it? Fun? So I knew I, I knew I was I was in a, a rock band for mm -hmm. a while. We made a record over in France and mm -hmm. came back and the guitar player Chad Sanford, I was good great friends with. Mm -hmm. Still great friends. He lives in Nashville. Excellent songwriter. Wrote some big hits. But before that, uh -huh. he had been dating Bet, and we had this little band together. And I met Bet, mm -hmm. and. Uh, in fact, when we did our promo shot, I'm, I've got my arm around Bette's waist and she's got her back turned in, in the shot. I've just got this woman with a leopard dress on, you know, with straps like this and I'm holding her like this, you know. Somebody put it on Facebook there, that's why I remember it. It was Aww, quite a great shot. I want to see it. Oh yeah. We're All right, got to find it. And uh, anyhow, I get called to go to do the Bette thing and I walk in to the rehearsal and I'm up on stage. And Bette walks in when she always waddles in. Goes, Hello, guys. How are you? How's everybody doing today? She just waddles, walk up the front of the stage, and she, and, um, and she looks up and she goes, Tony Bronigal, where the hell have you been? You know, I went, well, waiting for you to call, Bette. <laughs> you know? So I got the gig right on the spot. And, nice. uh, and I loved it. I really enjoyed working with her. It she had to be dog. great fun. It's she, so fun. she really respects musicians. And really takes care of musicians because mm -hmm. she wants you to perform at your best every night. That's wonderful. And she That's did smart. a lot of special things for us. Like what? Give us one you example. You know, just she would always ask the road manager, how are my boys doing? And she would ask us, is he treating you okay? I'd go, yeah, yeah, we're doing good. You, know, you let me know. <laughs> you know, and she would she would send us out to dinner at a fancy restaurant and she would mm. leave one of the limousines for us to go hang Sweet. out at the hotel. Oh, yeah, she did all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. She's always great. That's really nice. I know. So did that, and then... Wasn't Katie Seagal one of her backup singers? Yeah, before yeah. that, not oh. while I was there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it's oh. funny. There's all of this stuff just it's intertwined so much. Yes. It's so incestuous. Mm -hmm. It would take us days to get through all that. Mm -hmm. um, then I... Um, what am I doing? I'm out and about in town, wondering what I'm going to do next. I had been playing with... How, how long did you play with Beth? Uh, one uh, one summer, one term, mm -hmm. one term. <laughs> uh, a big summer tour was good mm -hmm. because you pile up the money and you could get through many months doing that. Right. 
and then pick up some sessions and some club gigs. And mm-hmm. I was doing recording sessions and um, and you're playing huge stuff. venues with Beck mm. Mm. arenas, mm-hmm. arenas. Yeah, and like I say, sometimes two or three days in a row. Wow. We'd yeah. stay in a five star hotel mm. around the corner from the arena in Cleveland. We'd be at a five star hotel and the place is right there. You know, he's yeah. from Cleveland or wherever it was. And um, so I'm, I'm without a gig, and uh, what am I doing to do the next summer? I don't know. I've been playing with Etta James around town. Mm. And boy, was she wonderful. That's mm. one of my one of my favorite credits, really, actually playing with that woman. Mm-hmm. Wow, she's the queen of mm-hmm. that. And um, uh, Bonnie Raitt was looking for a drummer, and um, my name came up from a keyboard player, Marty Grab. And so she came out to see me play, and she saw me play with Etta James on a, well, I forget what night it was, the night of the week where we were playing at uh, Vine Street Bar and Grill. Mm. It's a tiny little place. And that night, my car got broken into, and I went out to get my car, and when I went there, I saw the windows broken, and he took my bag. Stupidly, I left my bag with my Walkman, <laughs> you know, and my phone book, and phone book to me has always been very, very important. Mm-hmm. And I had a big phone book, I kept numbers. I'm the kind of guy that people go, oh, Tony's probably got that number, <laughs> you know. And they call me and email me, have you got the number so-and-so? No, he's doing that. Mm-hmm. So that really upset me, the phone book. I didn't care about the Walkman. So I'm looking around in dumpsters and I go over by the building at Selma and Argyle where that later became the China Club. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. There was a dumpster there, and I'm like looking in the dumpster, and this guy comes around the corner and says, "This big guy." I've got my black flashlight, looking, you know. He comes around the corner, and says, "What the hell are you doing over here?" I don't know if I should tell this story. Yeah, why not? <laughs> oh, so, this is gonna be good. Mm, so it and it, it didn't end well. Oh, well, it did. Oh. Yeah. So I said, "Well, I'm just looking for something I lost. Why are you looking here?" And he gives me shit about it, uh-huh. you know. Who should we say hi to? I don't know. No, I want to hear this story. I'm just okay. looking who's on, but 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 tell the story. So, so um, so I thought, oh, I better get away from this. I'm going to walk away from this guy. So I'm kind of thinking, well, do I just take this flashlight and nah, just take off? And as a, as I'm walking around here, I'm four other guys trying to come, oh. and they came at me. This is the same night your car got broken into. Yeah. Oh. Same night the Bonnie Ray came to see me play. So I take a dash across or diagonally from Selma and Argyle over to the RCA building. And I'm headed there. I'm going, I don't know where I'm going. I'm just trying to get away from these five guys. And they caught me and they oh, oh, beat me over the head with my own flashlight. Oh. I went to the hospital and had 14 stitches in the oh, back of my Lord. head. And if I twitch every once in a while still, it's because of that. Wow. Um, and I got up and I went back into the club and, and they went, what happened to you? And I told them, you know. Somebody took me to the hospital and I got stitches and four days lay. I went and rehearsed. No, I know, wait, that wasn't the night Bonnie saw me because I'd already rehearsed with Bonnie, I think. Anyhow, four days later, I'm doing a Bonnie Ray gig with my hand, my this finger here was in a splint. Oh my God. My first gig and I had bloody hair and everything. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> okay, so now I think I was, I've been a Bonnie Ray fan since the mid 70s and when you came, she was, she was already. Getting huge, but you were there for Nick of Time, right? You, yeah, you yeah. I didn't play on that song, but I was. I played on a couple songs on that record, uh-huh. and um, 
And and that was why it's when she broke in the nineties there, yeah. in, in, in late nineties. When when was that? The, the Grammy she won that year it was eighty nine or ninety something like that. Uh-huh, that makes sense. I don't know what year it was, but well, I, I know that she broke huge on that album. And that was when she did it. So. And you were there. I I enjoyed seven years with her. Great years. Michael Wonderful. O'Keefe, good friend of mine. He must have been around then. They were married for a while later. Yeah. And um, left Bonnie in 91 and um, we parted ways. And uh, I love her dearly. She's still a very good friend. Like nice. A, like a sister. So now is that one of those things that it just ran its course? Kind of. She was one of those things where I I want to hear my I want to hear my songs play differently. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And that didn't you, feel you good. Had it. Oh, it didn't feel good at all. It, it felt terrible. It was mm-hmm. horrible. But I, but I tried to handle it in a classy way. I didn't go. Ah, you know. I just went. All right. Mm-hmm. God bless you. Good luck. And I wrote her a nice letter, mm-hmm. thanking her for all the years. And um, you know, but it was a great experience, and 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 that was you know at that point. Um, whether I became famous or made a lot of money or whatever, it didn't matter. I was so launched into what I wanted to do, it mm-hmm. didn't matter to me anymore. I was just like, okay, I'm playing music and I'm making a living at it. Mm-hmm. And Are I you still just, doing sessions through that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So, um, Have you started producing yet? Oh, no. Oh, okay. That was at the end of the 90s. Mm-hmm. So um, then I started I did some recording with Taj Mahal in 92, 93. Mm-hmm. I was in a band called Jack Mack and Heart Attack. We played around town, and that was a great band. Loved playing with that band. And um, what my ended my thing with Jack Mack and Heart Attack was they went to the Olympics in Atlanta, and they were playing, and I couldn't go because because I said I I said I've got a project here that I'm making some really good money recording here for a week, like five or six days in a row, and I. I can't go do this thing in Atlanta, and it didn't play really well. And mm-hmm. we were doubling up rooms outside the city, and I went, "No, I don't want to do this." And you know, I love the band; I love those guys. We're still good friends, and so I didn't go. And you know who went on that gig? Alvino Bennett. Oh, mm-hmm. Alvino! Thanks, Everything Alvino. goes full circle. <laughs> so when the when the when the bomb blew off or whatever happened, a piece of shrapnel hit. Alvino that night he's going what? I go to sub for you and I get hit what? by a piece of bullet or something like that you know it's oh so crazy oh my god so that was that kind of that was the tail end of my days with Jack Mack and Heart Attack and then I was in a studio working with a producer friend of mine uh, John Porter and <coughs> don't choke on a peanut okay you talk for a while alright well I'm saying hi hi jo- Joey Cole hi Joey Cola hi George Lyons hi Dave Prince hi Ken <laughs> Um, Pete, do we have any questions? I know Joey Cola. Do you? He's, yeah, he's a comic. I'm going to sneeze. In the, in the 80s and hilarious. Yeah, 80s yeah. And 90s in Cleveland. I know Joey from the 80s, yeah. too. Um, does, do we have questions? You do. <laughs> you. Oh, you have an, you're not allergic have, to peanuts, are No, 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 but I have one of those things where I sneeze two or three times in a row. That's all right. Go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> I just jinxed it. I got myself out of it. <laughs> I do too, actually. Ken Lapierre would like to know, Coney, what was the best gig you remember? Like best one night gig? One. Well, I, I, don't know. I was actually going to ask you, like, what was the most fun experience of, of your career? How That's can a, how can you put one thing as the like, best gig? It's like who's your favorite kid? Yeah. Harry, and, uh, no, but I'm it's kidding. it's impossible. There, there's been so many that it, it blurs together. I can't tell. But was you there what something? Was the best gig. But, but what? Right, not best gig. But was there something that? 
Was there a time in your life that was just the most fun all the time? I had fun all the time. That's wonderful. I, love I had that. fun. I had a lot of fun. I mean, that was part of what. Uh, if you enjoy what you're doing, you're going to have a lot of fun. You're still I mean, having fun. I'm still having fun. That's excellent. I'm all really right. having fun. All right, so let's back. He yeah. said you can't answer that. He wants you to do the jitterbug. <laughs> Uh, tell her to come over here right now. It's a guy. Oh, it's a guy. No, sorry. Nah. We're not going to jitterbug. So, all right. So, so you ta- you're playing with Taj Mahal. Yeah. Well, we, we did a first record uh, called Dancing the Blues, and then... He's winning Grammy Awards, huh? Not yet. And okay. then we did the not second yet. record. He got a Grammy nomination on the okay. first one, Dancing the Blues. And then we did the second record, Phantom Blues, and uh, Eric Clapton joined us on that mm. and played with us some. So now, what is that like? No, it's great. I mean, there's a superstar monster musician who comes into the studio and basically, you know, he's not like elevated beyond where everybody else is. I've met him and he was the he's nicest. Just, but not, yeah, not only is he a nice guy and he's mellow, but none of us went, oh God, we got hurt. Right, No, right. no, we're playing our asses right. off for Taj Mahal. That's and right. he joined in uh-huh. and, you know, we had a great day, you know, a couple of days or whatever with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that record got nominated for a Grammy, and uh, then we made, and then and from so, that we went on the road wait, as the Phantom I, I Blues. Wanna, I want to back up a second. What's it like the first time you, when you played with Bonnie and her record gets nominated? You played on on the album. What is that like when you? I was at the Grammys when she won those four Grammys that okay, night, playing so, with her on stage. That was an incredible moment. That, there you go. Whoever yes. asked for that? Yes. That was an incredible moment, and. Uh, Bonnie won four Grammys that night, and the, we got to play on stage with her. And I gotta say, I almost couldn't move my arms and, my, and hold onto the drumsticks. It was like, where am I? Counted. I was so nervous. Like was everybody so nervous. in the world is sitting in that audience. Yeah, yeah. I was very, very nervous. Mm-hmm. But we sounded great. We did it. Mm-hmm. You know. That's very. Cool. What a great. That was a great moment. There you go. That's. There you, that's I have to go back and look at the footage of that. That's yeah. That's Another great cool. moment was a Grammy night. You know when I won a Grammy with Taj Mahal. Okay, back up. We went yeah. on the road after Phantom Blues mm-hmm. record with a band that became the Phantom Blues band, mm-hmm. and um, a lot of the guys. We're still the Phantom Blues band. Most of us, the, the core of that band, is still mm-hmm. together, making our own records and still working with Taj, mm-hmm. and um, we. Um, Won the Grammy for Phantom Blues. No, no. for No, then we made Senior Blues. So you Blues. are a Grammy Award winner. Yeah. You are a Grammy Award winner. Yeah, I, I won. I won a, so we made we made a, a Senior Blues that won a Grammy. And then we were still on the road, and we were doing really well with Taj. And then Taj wanted to make a live record. And, and just by, by, I guess by accident or whatever, I became the producer because the person who was going to produce it just decided a, to a good friend mm-hmm. for other reasons decided to no show and I was already putting stuff together mm-hmm. I was already aspiring to produce and I was going give me a shot you know were, were, were you always paying attention like when you were in the studio you're paying attention you're learning yeah 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 all the time mm-hmm. you know the way I say it I explain it is like all of these years of being in the studio and working for other people and being able to play on their records and their sessions or whatever, mm-hmm. I, I, I would just walk in and play, but I could see that there was always someone that I always say it's like turning on light. I'm the guy that turns on the light and gets it all started. Uh-huh. You know, I prep for months or whatever before sometimes on certain mm-hmm. records. But Snuffy's watching. Snuffy. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. I haven't told anything bad about you yet, so <laughs> it's okay, Snuff. Continue That's coming. Watch. That's coming. No, no, no. Yeah. Um, 
So anyhow, then then uh, Taj wanted to make a live record, and we made this live record at the Mint, and we recorded three nights, and I just kind of took over because someone had to do it, and no one else was going to do it, and so I made sure that it was recorded properly. I had the right engineer, and I was there paying attention to the whole process, which Did I knew. Did you feel comfortable the first time you yeah. stepped into that role? Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. I'd already produced a friend's record before that, and it was no big deal, really, mm-hmm. but it, it kind of uh, it, it broke me into it. Mm-hmm. And... And at this point, I'm going, just take the bull by the horn and be creative and follow your gut, you know? And I did. And that record got nominated for a Grammy and won a Grammy. That's and that's right. another amazing so that, moment. So that's your we first won. producing gig, based, basically. I mean, you did a My Grammy. first real producing gig. And you win a Grammy. That's great. <laughs> that's crazy. I'm waiting. <laughs> that's crazy. So, um, anyhow. You have the hardware? I do. I have you it at home. have the hardware. Yeah. And we got it. Uh, we got it as a band as well because it was Phantom Blue, Taj Mahal, and the Phantom Blue Vents. So the whole band got to get up in Staples Center and walk up on stage Sweet. for the presentation. Sweet. Pretty amazing moment. <laughs> Pretty amazing. So moment. that's another great. one. Well, I couldn't walk. I was my feet were doing like this, you know. My feet never touched the ground. Yeah. Amazing night. Did your parents live to see you have success? Yeah. Good. Yeah, my father actually. My father passed away the year before that. I wish he would have seen that. Mm-hmm. I think he knew about it. Mm-hmm. I believe that. Yeah, my mom was pretty proud too. Mm-hmm. They didn't ever. They never looked at it. Like they, as long as I was a good, decent human being or whatever, and, and paid attention to them and the family and everything in the right way, and mm-hmm. was respectful. That's all they ever expected out of me. Mm-hmm. You know, they, they didn't. They didn't. My mother would say that my dad acted like he didn't care whether I played or not. No, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say he didn't act like I didn't care. He just didn't make a big deal out of it ever. Which is all right, mm-hmm. but my mom would say when I wasn't around, he would brag a bunch and everything. My son was playing drums, and you know he was on TV the other night. <laughs> you know, it's kind of cool to get that. You know, yes. And, uh, I, I don't, I don't need all that adulation. It's, mm-hmm. I, I love what I do. I, I, my, my reward is feeling all those creative moments come around and, and being a part of them, and watching them turn into something special. You know? So, who, who were some of <clears throat> your favorite people to play with? To have that experience with that creative experience with uh, Ricky Lee was fabulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Eric Burden was a lot of fun as well. We had great times in those that that, that Australian tour with me and Terry Wilson and Mike Ruff and Snuffy uh, was on fire every night. And Eric would just take acid or something and leave us alone on stage sometimes, and we would just go play and, and just just make up, just really? go. Oh yeah, he just walk off like you know. Then later he'd walk out, grab the microphone, start singing again, you know. <laughs> Uh, it was that was a wild wild tour, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. So um, I've had I, it, it's really hard for me to people when I'm, I feel like I'm being put on the spot when people ask me questions like that, you know. And I'd love to answer that question. Well, well, I did not, kind of already. It's but, not to say that it was better than something. It's just highlights, things that stand. Yeah, out. well, there's just, there's tons of highlights, and yeah. if we sat here all night, mm-hmm. they'd probably all come out, you know. But um, um, plus I'm only drinking water. <laughs> Sorry, That's okay. sober house. We we need another one. Um. Um, so and and th- that's when I really started one yes, getting more you. serious about to here, wanting too. to be a producer, and mm-hmm. I started actually working at it then because my you know a good friend of mine said to me the night we won the Grammy, he said uh-huh. you know for the rest of your life you'll be known as Tony Bronigle Grammy Award winning producer, hey, and I went hey. mm-hmm. Tony Bronigle Grammy Award winning producer. I went nah. 
So I'm like, I don't wear, I don't, I can't wear that. I don't get it. Oh, I'm putting that in the liner notes. <laughs> so I can't, I don't get that. I can't wear it. No, I just, I got lucky, <coughs> and before I choke and sneeze, <laughs> and I said, and he said, no, he said that's the way it's going to be, and I went, and he was right. It, mm-hmm. it opened doors for me, and mm-hmm. and I, I don't, you want to use it as a as a big bragging thing or whatever, but it did open doors for me. And so I could actually say We're yes. Smoking. Grammy award-winning producer, you know, and yeah. so it, it opened doors and, and it was good. And but anyhow, you still have to work hard. Yes. You still have you got to come back. You got to mm-hmm. do something. And, I, and like I say, I think time that might get you in the door, but it's not going to keep you there. No, you got you got to you got to deliver. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Talk to the people. Okay, so so Pete, mm-hmm. Pete, come out here. Say, <coughs> bless you. Pete, come, Pete George is coming out here, the rock and roll comedian. Pete, come talk to us and tell us Hi. what you've been up to. What about uh, but where was I? I was Waterford, Michigan. Waterford. Yeah, how was Doing that? Shows. It was awesome. Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, things are good. Yeah. Shows coming up um, November. I'm at the Grand Hotel in Vegas again for five nights. Nice. And then a bunch of stuff in December in Erie and West Virginia and all the big cities. And you got you got a New Year's Eve gig you're coming back for. Oh, Ventura Harbor Comedy Club, right on the on the water. I'm gonna be there uh, two shows on New Year's Eve, headlining nice. that night and come on out. Cool. Um I he's checking his No, Facebook. I'm gonna see who's checking in here. <laughs> we started oh, okay. the show we, I didn't mean we, to bore anybody. We started the show with I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Okay. I, I want him to tell some jokes. He's a funny guy. I, I can't tell jokes here, I'm union. Oh. Anyway, uh, I can't act here. I'm union. Hey, oh, okay. So go. wait, we haven't talked about that. We have to talk about that. We have to talk yeah. about it. Yeah, I've got to pack and go to Minneapolis. Yeah. We've okay, got to talk. So wait. So, all right. Oh, thank you, Pete. Okay. Um, and, and you'll let us know if there's any questions for Tony. But I want to hear about according to Jim and how that happened. So, my good friend, I'm your playing, good friend Tracy Newman. Yeah, Tracy Newman. All right, I'm playing in a. Um, uh, right around the early '90s, mm-hmm. the, the House of Blues opened on on Sunset, mm-hmm. and. Um, I was in a house band. Once again, I've always been in these house bands. And we're backing all these people up. And one night, Jim Belushi comes in and, and we said, hey, Jim, get up and sing with us. And oh, no, no. Next week, he comes back and goes, can I still sing with you guys? And he sang. He got bit. That was it. And um, he wanted to do it. And he came back and he started, next thing you know, he had this movie he wanted us to do this song for. And he sang. Uh, what movie? Oh, uh, our TV show or something like okay. that. He sang. Uh, uh, Elvis version of uh, Viva Las Vegas, and, and that's how it started. And then he got bit by the bug, and then he we told him he could make money as a somebody told him he could make money as a an entertainer with as a, with, as a big name doing corporate stuff and put together you know. And he goes, well, they're asking me to be in the Blues Brothers 2000, and uh, I need to. Danny said I need to get on stage and <clears throat> start doing some music. Mm-hmm. And so he started playing with us, and then we started. We put together the As Sacred the house Hearts. Band and, uh-huh. Well, we took that house band and turned it into the Sacred Hearts. Okay. And then years later, Ackroyd and we opened up all the House of Blues around the country. Uh-huh. Years later, Ackroyd, who had played with us from the beginning of the House of Blues, occasionally uh-huh. was still doing a few Blues Brothers gigs with the Blues Brothers band. Right. Decides that he wasn't going to do any gigs with the Blues Brothers band anymore. He was going to do them with Jim and the Sacred Hearts. And we became the Blues Brothers. So that's what I'm doing tomorrow. I'm going to Minneapolis. Get out of here. I'm playing with uh, Jim Belushi and Dan Aykroyd in that same band. That's so at a, crazy. At a corporate somewhere in Minneapolis. That's, I don't know where I'm going to be. That's crazy. And I've been. We've been doing it since '93. 
93. So you're the blues, you're a blues brother. I have been, yeah. I, I co-produced an album <laughs> on them. I didn't know that. Uh, Glenn Clark and I, who was a keyboard player, produced an album on them. And mm-hmm. um, um, This is well after the TV show got going, though. But, so, all right, so talk about how According to Jim happened. Well, Jim, Jim gets, he, he, he had been offered another TV show earlier, and it did was we did the pilot, and he wanted everybody in a band in it, but it didn't get, it didn't get signed. How how, how did then, he talk them into putting the band in? It? Well, that's that was something. Is I want this. I want the. He, he was going to be so a they, nightclub owner with a band. Okay. And that's and we were going to be the prop the prop uh-huh. band. Uh-huh. So that didn't happen. And about a year later, he calls and says, um, "I've got a, an opportunity to do this thing," and he's. I, I think that he was, well, he's one of the creators, so Tracy could tell us exactly how that happened. Mm-hmm. But John Stark and Tracy Newman mm-hmm. and, and, and Jim, and they put it together and they did. I don't think Jim is credited as a, as a creator. Maybe, of maybe show, not. Just I don't Tracy know. and John. Yeah, well, that's yeah. the way it should be. Or that's, I, I believe you're right. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, uh, Jim wanted some musicians uh, in the band, in his band, mm-hmm. to be in the show with him. And we did the, the pilot. And uh, Did you have to do an acting audition? <clears throat> That's coming. Oh, we did. Um, we did the pilot, and yeah. at the end of the pilot, they went, "Well, we can't really use the band. We got to have actors." And um, and Jim said, "I have to have one actor in the band. I have to have one." And I said, "Well, I guess I guess that drummer guy or whatever." So I got the call, and I got to go audition with a room full of actors, comedic actors. I walk in, and I'm going, "Wait, wait, wait. I how did you get picked out?" Jim, Jim, Jim shooed me in on this. Okay. He went, "No, I got to have somebody, Tony, and they, and John Stark, and and and, and Tracy, whomever else said mm-hmm. yes, okay, mm-hmm. he, we can we can try to get him in there. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I'm not sure exactly how the deal went down, but I had to go audition, and so when I went to audition, uh, I was reading the lines and. Um, uh, I was reading lines. Of Had you done any auditions? No, 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 no. And I'm trying to be funny. <laughs> I'm reading this trying to be funny. Mm-hmm. And Jim calls me. He was nervous. He was on vacation in Martha's Vineyard. And he says, um, hey, man, you got the audition today? I said, yeah. He said, you ready? I said, yeah, I know the lines. He goes, read them to me. <laughs> so I read them. And I was like trying to be funny. <laughs> he goes, oh, no, no, stop. <laughs> don't, don't try to be funny. The lines are funny. Uh... Said, read it like the phone book. I went. Oh, okay. So I read it flat. He goes, "See, now that's funny." I went, "Okay, well, I learned something right then." Wow. I went to the audition. I walk in. There's a room full of guys, funny comedic actors that you've seen. In you recognize TV, them? Uh, mm-hmm. Several of them. Uh-huh. And I walked in, and I'm the only because you know the community. Everybody knows everybody. Mm-hmm. I walk in, and they go, "Who's that guy?" <laughs> so word gets around that like I'm the drummer in Jim's band, which means I'm probably gonna get the, the gig because Jim the shoe in mm-hmm. you know and uh, and, uh, so and they're, they're all auditioning for the drummer they're all auditioning for a part to get on this show okay. and to be in the band or whatever uh-huh. and you know and then they're, now, now they're all sidling thank you they're all sidling up against me like hey man how you doing man what's going on you're, I'm Tony you're Bob I'm Bob you're Tony you know Getting to know, you know, and I'm going, and I said, I looked at my buddy who was in the band in the Sacred Hearts, but he was an actor, a comedic actor, John mm-hmm. Rabano, and he's really funny, really mm-hmm. funny. And I'm, I'm sitting there with Jim and, and John, and he's looking around, and he goes, yeah, there's a room full of vipers here, you know, everybody wants each other's gig, you know. Mm-hmm. So I go into audition, and I'm reading with a guy who's just hilarious, and he reads big, mm-hmm. and just blows the part up and everything, and I'm like, reading it flat. 
and I, I, I did my lines flat, and they laughed. And I went, okay, like, like you're dismissed. And he goes, now switch parts. And I said, well, I, I didn't learn another part. Ah, read it. So the other guy takes my part and reads his big, and I, I read it flat. Uh-huh. And I went, great, thanks. You know, they always say great at the end uh-huh. of the audition. Ah, oh, you did great. I walk out, and um, and uh, J- John says, how'd it go? I said, that ah, was fun. You know, was, uh, I, guess, I don't know. This, this experience mm-hmm. I have nothing, I know nothing about. And uh, they came out and said, uh, they ca- had callbacks, five, six people, whatever. And uh, it, my name was on it, John's wasn't on it. And we left. And I went home, and Jim called me, how'd it go, how'd it go? I said, well, it went okay. I did what you said, and you know, I read the part, but you know, did you get a callback? I said, no, they had some callbacks, but they didn't call me back. He goes, oh, damn. I said, okay. He says, hey, man, thanks for calling. I appreciate it. Now, wait, it. how long have you been playing with him at this point? Uh, years. Uh-huh. Uh, years. Uh-huh. I don't know how many. He goes, what? A like, bunch, okay. A bunch, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so um, uh, he said, uh, thanks for doing it. I appreciate you making the effort. I said, well, thank you. I appreciate it. He goes, about 15 minutes later, he calls me, he calls me back. He says, callbacks don't mean shit. You're going to SAG on Monday. Like, what? So that's how I you got on the TV show. just bypassed the whole thing. Yeah, he, mm-hmm. he, he put, got me into SAG, and and, and uh, God bless you, Jim. Thank you. Wow. And I had a lot of fun for eight years making that and getting to be silly on camera. And, and plus, that you know, that's some serious coin that you're getting there. I was making, that was during that period, I didn't care how much I went on the road. Mm-hmm. You know, I, In fact, I didn't want to go because I, I didn't want to miss a TV show. Yeah. Paid them a lot more, mm-hmm. you know. And um, did you enjoy it? I had a ball, mm-hmm. and everybody was so nice to me. I made good friends with everybody mm-hmm. from wardrobe, makeup, Tracy producers, loves you. everybody. I, I just got along with everybody and had a great time. Mm-hmm. I turned it into a good relationship. And you, you know? were there, and that was a long run. Eight maybe. years, yeah. yeah. Near the end, it kind of thinned out a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think I did f- close to forty episodes. Nice. So. You still, get, you still getting residuals? <laughs> yeah, but yeah. you know, at, at yeah, this they point, get like, like two cents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you yeah. can't buy lunch with it anymore. So, <laughs> so uh, and so the last thing that I know about that's kind of major for you, Robert Craig. How did that happen? Um, Not the last thing. There's going to be plenty more, but I mean, the, the most yeah, recent, but right? Taj Taj quit touring like that in about '03, and I decided mm-hmm. I didn't want to go back on the road and. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would, I would then, I, I started producing, I produced a, an Eric Burden record, and I, then mm-hmm. I, then I produced quite a few other albums, but the one, that was something that turned things a little bit, and I didn't want to be in his road band, um, mm-hmm. and, but I produced the first one, mm-hmm. and then when they did this, we did the second one after that, uh, the, the drummer got ill, and I had to go take his place for a little while, then I was in and out a few times, and then later on I got, I got Terry that job again. Mm-hmm. And I got him the job the first time in the early '80s when we were, uh, when when I was in the band with Eric and I didn't I wasn't crazy about the bass player and I said call this guy, and then later on and uh, I got Terry the gig, the second time and then even the third time, uh, yeah, so I made three records with Eric over all those years and and a lot of other people and and I didn't really go on the road a lot but but sparsely with Eric mm-hmm. between '03. And the TV show was still going, and um, then how are you going out on the road and doing the TV show? You had to be careful about that. I like if they wanted, I you, missed one show out of all of them. That they wanted you they there. They wanted me. And so, what did you? How did? You, how did you get? I was out of lucky. It? I, I uh, Willie subbed for me. Willie right. did it, and uh-huh. 
And, but uh, you're a character on the show. How yeah, does that but work? Yeah, I guess, you know, they made a story about some guy down the road taking my place in the garage band that day or whatever, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so uh, um, then Robert Cray, I got approached by Robert Cray, and I wasn't sure at first because I didn't want to go back. I got approached by before that by uh, the Doobie Brothers, you know. And, you turned down the Doobie Brothers? Yeah, I didn't want to go on the road at the time. And I just, you know, the money You're going was into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, by the way. I know, God bless them. I know Patrick Simmons. I know, I know all those guys. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, uh, and I, I almost gotten the invitation. Not almost. I got an invitation somewhat uh, years and years before from Keith Knudsen when uh, the other drummer had left, and and uh, and they took somebody else. And that was around the same time I got offered to go play with Huey Lewis in the News before he was ever a big star and I turned him down I told Huey I said no I don't think I want to be in a Marin County bar band <laughs> and to this day Huey uses against me <laughs> no. I almost I kind of kind of got a shot at ZZ for a minute because Billy wow. Gibbons and I are good friends but oh. back in the Texas days but mm-hmm. we talked but you know he never changes loyalty to his guys mm-hmm God bless him. God bless all of them. He wasn't one of those people that needed to have a different, hear it sound different. Maybe that's why he, he approached me or whatever, you know. I mean, there were other reasons too we won't get into. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I, uh, Cray in 2009 and um, my second marriage was breaking up and, and uh, I didn't want to go on the road before that, but I thought maybe I need this now because I was pretty bent out of shape. Mm-hmm. And um, it was healing. I got out there and started playing great music every night with Robert. The band was kicking ass. Mm-hmm. Jim Pugh on keyboard, monster player. Richard Cousins on bass. What had happened was he he had, he had fired his bass player mm-hmm. first, and then he, at the, right around the same time he was letting go of the drummer as well. And they'd been with him for twenty something oh, years. Oh wow! It was really rough. Mm. And he said, "I want to get Richard Cousins back in a band." Richard had been with him many years before, mm-hmm. so. He said to Cousins, he said, who do you want to play drums with? And Cousins says, Tony. Nice. So my audition was by myself. I just went and played, you know, with them. And they, they had talked to a couple other drummers, and I played 15 minutes. And he went, this is fine. Let's just go start rehearsing. You know, nice. and Richard was were pretty happy with it. I mean, Robert was. Mm-hmm. And I did that for four years. And then he wanted to hear something different. Mm-hmm. So. And so, so... So here you are. You're producing. Yeah. What what, what else? Uh, you play with Taj sometimes. Still play with Taj sometimes. Mm-hmm. I'm still doing the Blues Brothers stuff. I play around town. It, my life now, because I'm of retirement age and I'm receiving some benefits, mm-hmm. um, is I don't have to hit quite as hard as I had to, to back then to pay my house note and my mortgage and everything and and get by. I, I still have to. I still hustle and work hard, but mm-hmm. but I you know I can play at the write off room. I can play at bogeys. I can play at some clubs around town and have fun playing music with friends. So know? like, who who do you play with these days? Like that you've. I'm been playing with? a great band called the Polly Sarah Band. We played at Joe's Great American Bar Grill the other night, and Joe Bonamassa played with us all night. Nice. Long. And uh, I play with the Phantom Blues Band. We've made four records together. We're about to release another one. Mm-hmm. I have to mention the Phantom Blues Band. Mike Finnegan's in that band, and Johnny Lee Shell, and Joseph Blett. And Mike was just on fat, the show recently. Yeah, Mike's fabulous musicians. And, yeah. and what a singer he is. Oh, oh it's very, <laughs> his talent it rides high. It mm-hmm. really does. 
And so I just get to play with a lot of friends and still make some records, and I'm finishing up a couple. I got a couple that are out there. They're in the blues charts. Uh, I got nominated for Grammy. Uh, sorry, an artist that I produced got nominated for a Grammy last year, Danielle Nicole. Nice. And uh, same category as Teresa James. Mm-hmm. And uh, so um, things are still going well, and I'm still busy doing all, and i am started two other projects, three other projects. And I'm constantly keeping the wheels on other things. And I've got another artist who probably wants to do another record in January. Danielle wants to make one starting in December. And I'm working on this guy, Phil Columbato, right now, Louisiana Love Act. Great songwriter. Great, great Do you lyric. play on the things that you produce? I'm most of them. Mm-hmm. Because I run the show from the drum kit. Oh. And I have a feel about where I want it to go from the drum kit. Mm-hmm. And I let other people play sometimes, and I've produced bands where they've had a drummer. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to go in there and coach the drummer, and I'm going to move things around until I get the sound I want. Mm-hmm. I'm just lucky that I, really, honestly, I work with such great, talented people. The, my friend Johnny Lichelle, who owns a studio that I, I do a lot of work at. I'm just, I'm just lucky to have Johnny, have Mike Finnegan at my disposal, have all these incredible bass players at mm-hmm. my disposal, guitar players horn players, songwriters, mm. you know, sound mixers, engineers. Are you still writing music? A little bit, yeah. <clears throat> I'm not a sit down and write a song guy anymore, but somebody's got a song and it's not quite working, I can help them. Mm-hmm. So, it's great. I'm very, I'm very happy uh, where I'm at right now. I love the place I live in, the house I live in, in Studio City, and, and um, I'm just being a good neighbor. And, and, and you uh, got a girl. I got a girl, yeah. And you got a girl. Yeah. Girl, I got a girl. She's, so life is good. She's a cutie pie. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She's wonderful. Yeah, she takes good care of me. Is there anything that you haven't done that you still aspire to? Uh, I still go on acting auditions. I wouldn't mind having an acting thing. Nice. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't mind a. <clears throat> I, w- I wouldn't say I'd like to have a, a, a regular on a sitcom, but I wouldn't mind getting a goofy part every once in a while. Uh-huh. I'd really like to do some kind of wacky stuff. That'd be fun. Yeah, because I can get kind of wacky. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I wouldn't mind getting a part doing something like that uh, here and there. And um, uh, I I don't know. I'm not going to say I've done it all, so I don't know what else I want to do. I want to stay healthy and continue doing what I do because I love it so much and it's fantastic. That's a pretty great Yeah, I'm, it, it's a great place to be you in. you have a lot of gratitude? Sounds like a you do. A lot of gratitude, mm-hmm. absolutely. I really have a lot of gratitude for what's what's gone down. Every once in a while, you got to stop and sit down and take a few breaths and just let it kind of soak in, mm-hmm. you know, and realize that, you know, you this happened because of all the, like I said, I'm I'm just blessed. I mean, I'm blessed to be around all these incredibly talented people. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I just don't feel like I'm nearly as talented as they are, but it doesn't change my confidence. Mm-hmm. I just look around and go, oh my god, look at all these fantastic players, all these musicians, singers. God, I'm so lucky. That's a pretty great place to be. Yeah, I'm, I feel I feel I feel good about it. I'm gonna. I love that you love your life and and that you love what you do because there isn't there's a lot of people that don't appreciate where they are and are keep keep chasing the next thing and can't enjoy. You have it when to. You gotta do what you. You gotta do what you know. It sounds cliche. Follow that dream. What what what's gonna make you happy? Do. What's going to make you happy and you get good at it? Did, do you have a really good work ethic? I mean, why oh, do you yeah, think yeah, you've yeah. had all of this? Oh, yeah, yeah. I work yeah. like a horse. And that work ethic comes from my dad. My dad works like You show like up a... on time and you... No, I'm always late. Five oh. minutes late. <laughs> okay. See, I said it. I'm always five minutes late. <laughs> okay. But, uh, but I get it done. Mm-hmm. I'll stay later and get more done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Pete always walks in and I'm blow drying my hair. But but the show always goes well. It doesn't always go off. On no, time. it all it, it, it all gets done. It all gets, it gets done. done. And and you know we're we're still you know I've, I've had several records of one blues contemporary blues record of the year and and BMAs in and Memphis. you've been nominated. And as I've been nominated about twelve or fifteen times for drummer, you know, and I won in 2018 as mm-hmm. Blues Drummer of the Year, and, you know, it's it's wonderful to get all that adulation and everything, and get the trophies and stuff like that, but you, the next morning you just got to get back up and go go to work, mm-hmm. you know, so I'm, I'm fortunate, I really am, and I really appreciate you having me this evening, and I've had a great it's, time. It's been great. Do we have any questions? That's it, yeah. We're good? Yeah. We, we've covered everything. You've covered everything. You've made everything's wow. dream come it's, true. Can I can I have a transcript of this from my resume? I told everything tonight just about. You did well. It's it, it'll be it'll be living and breathing on on Facebook, but it'll also be on YouTube. It'll be on YouTube tomorrow, and it'll oh, really? be on SoundCloud and iTunes, okay. and so it'll it'll live forever. This, this, wow! This, this Gosh, whole, your entire life. I didn't realize I was going to be that out there that much. I would have been more careful about what I said. I'm sure you'll edit it properly, right? Oh yeah! Oh yeah! We'll oh, be, sure. we'll yeah, be editing. editing. Oh, lots of editing. Thanks again. Tony, thank you so much. Mm, thank you. And um, for everybody out there, um, uh, coming up, um, Robert Wall is going to be with us, um, Arliss, for those of you who appreciate that. Um, Terrence Blanchard is going to be here, um, which I'm so excited about. Mm. His new film, Harriet, um, uh, Pete and I are going to go see next week. And uh, he did Black Landsman. That score was just unbelievable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, in the living room on October 29th, when I turn 64 is uh, going to be Anson Williams and Allie Willis and Jody Siegel. Do you know Jody? Yeah, I co-produced a record. Uh, there, of course ago. you did. And, uh, and Marcus Eaton. And if you don't know Marcus Eaton, <clears throat> wow, he oh. blew, he took our breath away last really? Mark, he he, um, he did the score for the new David Crosby uh, documentary. Wow. My name. And, but he's a player. He's played with David and he's opened for Sting and he's, wow. I think he's a crazy player he's amazing so anyway they're all going to be in the living room on October 29th and we'll have to figure well, out a way to get it well I have to come here. over and put together a jam set yes we need you to oh, do okay. that all right. we, 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 some percussion Alvino's done percussion in the living room you can do it Alvino come on let's do it let's get together <laughs> let's do it thank you so much Tony you're welcome my pleasure honey. thank you Pete. thank you Pete we'll see you all next week <laughs>